Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. free speech to free minds you're listening to the david knight show As the clock strikes 13, it's Monday, the 11th of November, year of our Lord, 2023. It's good to be back. Uh, thank you so many uh, for so many prayers and messages. I'll tell you a little bit about that when we come back. But we've got a lot to talk about today. I had a lot to talk about on Friday when uh, we did not do the show, so I'm going to try to catch up on some of that, as well as some of the breaking news over the weekend um, that affects the First Amendment. It's amazing to me to see people who are just captured by things like Trump and Tucker and Alex and uh, Twitter, you know, the fact that Musk is saving free speech. Come on. Free speech is much bigger than one social media platform, regardless of what happens there. We'll begin with that. We're also going to talk about war, uh, another war that the U.S. wants to get involved in and never shut any of them down, by the way. Uh, not going to shut down the Syrian war, but we might get involved in Guyana and anywhere else that we can think of. Huh? We'll be right back. We're also going to talk today about the case in Texas. A difficult case of a child who has apparently a genetic condition, they believe, although I have seen, especially with the um, amniocentesis, uh, looking for Down syndrome, I've seen false alerts about that. But uh, there are a couple of people who had uh, babies who are born of fatal conditions, one of them who had a baby born with that particular fatal condition, who spoke out about this. But I think that this is, uh, they're trying to do Roe v. Wade part two. I don't think this is about her baby. We'll talk about that and the issues involved in it. If she wanted to have the abortion, it's much easier to get in the car and go somewhere to have an abortion. There's plenty of states that allow that rather than to go through a lawsuit. So that smells fishy to me from the very beginning. I, I appreciate what she's going through. I understand it's a difficult situation. 
but again, uh, this is highly politicized. Uh, but before I begin, just on a personal note, let me uh, thank everybody for all the prayers um, and all the uh, advice about things for my blood pressure. It was sky high. I woke up uh, about one o'clock in the morning on Thursday, had arrhythmia, really high erratic pulse, and I uh, couldn't get it down. I was just, you know, waking from sleep with that. And um, so I took uh, nitroglycerin. I didn't do any good. I woke Karen up and, um, you know, she uh, gave me a blood pressure test and it was sky high. I normally have high blood pressure, but this is like 170 something over 120 something. So it was really, really high. And um, but um, anyway, we took uh, took the the legal limit of (laughs) of nitroglycerin and aspirins. And I thought it calmed down somewhat. I could get to sleep. But the strange thing is I've got this watch that I keep uh, to prod me to walk and get up out of my chair because I just sit all the time and um, <clears throat> to track my heartbeat. <clears throat> and so um, uh, and and to track my sleep, uh, <laughs> which is another story. Uh, but uh, anyway, the uh, it was not the first time I've ever seen this said it couldn't give you any data on your sleep because the heartbeat was too inconsistent. So I thought, that's really strange. That's the only time that's ever happened. Uh, but yeah, I was completely out of it on Friday, uh, most of the day on Saturday. Started feeling a little bit better on Saturday, but I just rested yesterday. Uh, so um, uh, thank you uh, for everybody's concerns and advice and the other things. I will be going to a doctor tomorrow, but um, I'm one of these people who uh, – is, is not very big on doctor's advice, so we'll see what happens with it. Uh, let's begin with free speech, because that's where tyranny begins, right? It begins with free speech and shutting it down. It also begins with centralized control. And it's disturbing to see this coming out of Nebraska. They're starting to collect centralized uh, digital health data on all their citizens. And it's not just them. It's an organization that they're using in the state of Nebraska that is collecting health information from a lot of different uh, states in the Midwest. As a matter of fact, um, they have uh, 5 million people that they're tracking information on uh, across um, several different states in the Midwest. The group is called Sync Health, spelled with a C instead of an S at the beginning of it, C-Y-N-C. And so the Nebraska legislature unanimously created a new health board. We don't have enough health bureaucracies. So they unanimously created one in 2020. And I think this story is important because, you know, we look at Republican states and we need to beware the GOP. This is one of the things I keep stressing. And uh, people get angry with me. They think I'm a Democrat. It's like, no, don't give these people a pass because they put an R behind their name. Just take a look at Nikki Haley, for example. Right. She wants to ID everybody. And, um, you know, no, I, I need to know your name, says a woman whose name is, what was it? <laughs> Nimrata? <laughs> we need to know your name, Nikki. What's your last name, too, before your maiden name? Anyway, the, but you need to understand that the GOP uh, can be the, the way that uh, they get this stuff in with people looking the other way. Uh, there would be a lot of outrage from, and I, I like the term, that um, David Icke used, the mainstream alternate media, M-A-M, instead of uh, M-S-M, right? And uh, so the mainstream alternative media, 
looks the other way when Republicans do this. They're not going to talk about that. If it was Democrats doing it, oh, they would be all over this. And so we have to understand that this is yet another effort to take a presumed health issue and use it as the basis for a digital ID, which will rapidly become a global ID. It'll go from the state to the national to the, to the global. As soon as you go digital, that's it. The pandemic MacGuffin kicked off <clears throat> Bill Gates' ID 2020 plan. He's had that around for quite a while. ID 2020. They kicked it off with all that. Uh, Trump kicked it off. That's what I'm saying. And so now you've got Republicans in Nebraska saying we've got to have a digital health database on all citizens and uh, track them and all the rest of this. And um, so, uh, again, um, we see this um, in, uh, in many different ways. The members consist on this health board. It was created in 2020 amidst that uh, panic-demic. The members consist of various healthcare stakeholders. Stakeholders. Yeah, beware that word. You know what that is. That's crony capitalism. It's globalism. It's multinational corporations merging with government. Stakeholders. They're holding the stakes. They want to drive them into your heart. These vampires. Uh, the, uh, and it includes people like doctors and hospital administrators. We're going to manage this health data. I think they put the fox in charge of the hen house, right? And so they've got health information on over 5 million patients across 1,100 plus healthcare institutions in the Midwest. And uh, so this is to uh, centralize all the, the health information, to move us towards a digital ID, to move us towards a central bank digital currency, of course. And we know already that Trump supported a CBDC in his first administration. Jared Kushner was conspiring with uh, Mnuchin, Steve Mnuchin, and others uh, to get that done. Biden took it the next step. This is a tag team thing. Uh, and we see this over and over again. Uh, and, and just let me tell you, you know, when you go back and you look at some past elections where there was a big issue that they wanted to get through, uh, take a look at the election. We had Bill Clinton in 1992. George H.W. Bush, and the big issue there was NAFTA, and both of them were in favor of it. So whether you go with Tweedledee or Tweedledum, you're going to get NAFTA. Ross Perot came in there and uh, shook things up. They threatened to kill his family. He got out, then he thought about it again. He got back in, but it's too late. They painted him as a crazy conspiracy theorist kook, and yet the conspiracy was on their side for NAFTA. Uh, it was not put up for a Senate ratification, as these things are typically not done. They pretend it's not a treaty, it's an agreement. Just like we have the Paris Climate Accord. They'll always give special names to these things so they can avoid going through the actual treaty. Uh, and then when you look at the 2012 election, <clears throat> it was Mitt Romney and Barack Obama, and both of them were for uh, uh, nationalizing health care in its earliest form, earliest forms of nationalized health care. Obamacare was no different than Romney care. Mitt Romney had put together Romney care as governor of Massachusetts, and his co-sponsor on all of it was Senator Ted Kennedy. And so now, is it a big surprise to see that um, Romney says he might vote for Biden? Uh, you know, I mean, these people, uh, it's the uniparty, of course, but you notice how they always give us a fake choice. They had to get through NAFTA. They had to get through this first step to government-controlled health care. 
what Trump did in terms of turning over this pandemic stuff to the local, um, you know, through the Model State Health Emergency Powers Act and, um, <clears throat> you know, to circumvent the 10th Amendment. I, by the way, I had a guy uh, when I criticized, um, you know, Alex's position on this because of all the stuff on Twitter. I'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, this guy uh, and his handle on Twitter is stop vaccinating. And so he says, well, you're difficult to believe when we know that Trump, uppercase, all uppercase, never mandated anything, nor did he advocate for lockdowns. Is this guy for real? I, what, what is the issue? And he's got a lot of followers, actually. Um, <clears throat> he's a um, good example of people who are adamantly opposed to the poison that Trump created and took credit for. Right. Give him the credit that he demands. He is the father of the jab. Uh, he never mandated anything. Nor did, and so uh, uh, hats off to Knights of the Storm. He replied to this and said Trump mandated 75 percent of the military had to, quote unquote, volunteer, unquote, by a certain date or it would be mandated through executive order. That's a mandate. Biden just followed through with it. It's a tag team. Right. Trump prepares a vaccine. Prepares to mandate it for the military. Then Biden does that, rolls it out, mandates it for other people. And most of what, other than the military mandate, most of what Biden did would absolutely have been done by Trump. You know, they, they got to get the shot. It's really going around, he said, in May of 2019. Most of what was done was done by pulling purse strings of companies that do business with the government. Oh, you're getting that Medicare, Medicaid money that... Trump gave you trillions of dollars in 2020. You want to keep getting that? Oh, by the way, if you don't get your nurses and doctors vaccinated or fired, then we will not only not give you that lucrative bonus that you have been enjoying so much for the last year, but we will also remove all Medicare and Medicaid money that you get. Now, is that a mandate? Yes, it is. It's blackmail. And as I said, and you've heard me say this, the way the government, the federal government gets around the 10th Amendment is they bribe people with phony fiat currency that they can just create out of thin air. And so they bribe you with it. They get you used to taking that money for a short period of time. And then they come with the strings attached to it and blackmail you. Uh, you will put the, you know, here's money for your educational stuff from the Department of Education. Oh, by the way, now we want you to put boys in the girls' dressing rooms and the girls' showers. Oh, you don't want to do that? Okay, we'll pull all that money away from you now. That's exactly the same thing that's been done. And uh, uh, kudos to Knights of the Storm, Jason or Angry Tiger, whichever one of you put that up. Um, I didn't know that. I imagine it was Jason because he was fighting this thing. I did not know uh, that Trump had signed that mandate. Another reason for me to hate him, <laughs> Benedict Donald, uh, yeah, he said he, he never mandated anything. He just suggested numerous therapeutics, which are then rejected by the fake news media in the deep state. No, actually, he was, um, he, he played uh, Costello to Fauci's Abbott. Yeah, he was a clown. You know, he would say, well, you know, uh, hydroxychloroquine or something like that. Somebody said something about that. Or, you know, he could just inject sunlight into your veins. Yeah, who's the clown? Who's playing games with people? That's Trump. 
said that. They put Trump out there as a stooge to discredit this stuff. And his supporters, like this guy, like this guy, uh, think that he's on our side. It just beggars belief that people could be this ignorant, this uninformed, this idolatrous to continue to support somebody like that. It even flies in the face of everything that Trump says. You believe this guy? Well, then believe what he says about the vaccine. Believe what he says about the lockdowns, how he bragged about how, oh, well, you know, I, I locked it down before Fauci wanted it locked down. He says he did it. Uh, you're rewriting history. You're, rewrite, you're editing your idols, your king, your God. You know, you're, you're not supposed to edit what your God tells you. And he's told you what he's about. So the only people who are on record, they're running for presidency, on record against CBDC are DeSantis and Ramaswamy. And DeSantis, if you remember, he had a big uh, press conference about digital big brother talking about CBDC. And then when they got finished, the question was, but what about Trump? What about his Manhattan indictment and all the rest? Of that's, that's where we are. Nobody cares about any of this stuff. It's now become a reality TV show. That's what Trump has brought to politics, his reality TV show. stuff. And so when you look at this, um, Free Thought Project article, Decentralized Data for a Decentralized Future. You know, we should be fighting centralization everywhere. Centralization is for control. Centralization is for global control. And so we should be fighting every aspect of centralization. And that especially means data. And so uh, this article on the Free Thought Project by Sterling Lujan says uh, the org and the blockchain community are building solutions to decentralized data storage and guarantee robust data durability. Data storage is the Achilles heel of the Internet. Many of the images, text, music, software applications we enjoy live on centralized servers. And again, you know, when you look at this, um, why do we do this? And I think it has to do, I mean, we just saw this situation where Steve Kirsch and Kevin Mc, uh, McKiernan had uh, their, their data, you know, they, were, they had a lot of data on the cloud, and uh, their people they were using for storage just confiscated everything because New Zealand didn't like them having the data from the whistleblower. Uh, Steve Kirsch has still not gotten his stuff back from, uh, I think it was Mega that he has. Uh, one of them, um, I can't remember. Um, there was two different uh, data uh, servers that were there. One of them, uh, the one that uh, McKiernan had, they um, took off the New Zealand data and let him have the rest of the stuff. And I understand he was putting the stuff up because he was engaged in projects and he was sharing data with other scientists around the world. I understand that. Uh, but for the most part, a lot of people, especially as individuals, I think people use a centralized data storage so they don't have to be bothered with backup themselves. Because when you stop and think about it, you know, if you were to go out and buy a disk drive to back up all your data, uh, you would uh, be able, you'd be dollars ahead based on having one of these uh, servers for a year. And uh, yet you have to have the discipline and I'm just as guilty of it as anybody else and, uh, to back up your stuff. You know, it's a little bit of extra work, discipline to do it. And uh, so I think that's one of the reasons why people put that there. But if you've got anything that's important, you not only need to have it on your own local server, but you need to air gap it. 
and put it on a computer that's not connected to the internet. And uh, so, uh, again, um, it is the Achilles heel because it allows all kinds of bad actors, including governments, to get at your data. It's a dangerous risk to our collective and personal data, as they point out. Uh, you know, the other thing, too, is I, I find it interesting that all these cloud servers are not criticized for wasting energy. Oh, they're so concerned about that, aren't they? You know, when it comes to our little cars or our stoves or anything, oh, you, you, you know, you can't have this uh, carbon. Uh, you're going to have to do this or do that, even to the extent of telling us to get to, to we can't have a more efficient source of heating. Uh, we've got to go with their electric version of space heating for HVAC. And so um, they really fundamentally don't care about energy usage. They fundamentally don't care about the environment. And if they did, they would be telling everybody, don't use these cloud servers. Use hard disk drives. You know, I can store stuff on my hard disk drive, and I don't need to leave the power on all the time. But if you put it on the cloud servers, they got these massive servers. And they have to keep the power on all the time because they never know when somebody's going to come, you know, looking for the data. Those things are running around the clock, 24-7, 365. I don't run my hard drives or my computer that much. Uh, so it's one way to save money, to not have to have those things. But they never will complain about cloud computing because cloud computing gives the government access to your data, which is what they're really about. Uh, so, you know, you have to worry about uh, disk crashes and other things like that. But you also have to worry about, uh, with cloud stuff, somebody actually stealing it. Uh, which is happening on a regular basis and not just from the government. So um, when we look at this, the reason I'm talking about this now is because you need to understand that when we talk about Twitter or any social media thing, what is that like? Right? Is Twitter free speech as we see all these uh, people in the, uh, the mainstream alternative media saying? No, it's not. Free speech is much bigger. And if you look at Twitter, and think of that as being free speech. Are you really putting your speech on a cloud that can be censored or erased? I've had this happen to me too many times. I can speak from personal experience. Having years of work erased by YouTube or by Facebook or they, all of these different ones. And um, you know, being banned from them. Uh, so I don't like the idea of public data storage. Furthermore, this whole idea that Twitter is free speech and that we need to participate in the digital public square, and that's the only place where speech really matters is on Twitter. I don't really care about Twitter anymore, in case you haven't noticed. Uh, when I posted yesterday, that's the first time I've posted in a long time anything other than uh, our videos that go up. Uh, I don't like social media, and um, it is, as far as I'm concerned, it's just not worth my time. I've got better things in my life to do than to chase view counts or likes or thumbs up or whatever you want to call it, or to chase an audience. I'm not interested in chasing an audience. You know, Alex likes that. You know, he's going to be breaking out another case of Grey Goose vodka, you know, for this stuff, I'm sure. But look, I don't, you know, that's his thing. It's not my thing. I don't really care. Um, and and we got to be careful that we don't make a premium out of this. And this is what I'm concerned about. Everything, you talk about centralization. They want to centrally control all of our relationships with everybody, right? We saw that clearly in 2020. We're going to lock you down 
You're not going to go meet anybody in physical space, but we'll do Zoom things, Zoom classes, Zoom church, Zoom everything. They want to isolate each and every one of us and have us only connected to each other through the things that they control. And Twitter is one of those. As a matter of fact, there's a great piece by David Icke uh, that I saw, and I, I liked it so much I retweeted it. And he says, you ever wonder what's going on? You think you can trust Elon Musk? The guy who became the world's richest man by doing everything that every government, every authoritarian government around the world wanted him to do? Really? You really trust him? Are you crazy? He does everything the Chinese Communist Party wants. He does everything the, the uh, European Union wants. He does everything that the American government wants. And if he didn't do it, they'd cut off his funding right away. You really trust him? You really want to put your free speech on the cloud? Well, I've looked at clouds on both sides now, <laughs> as the song goes, and uh, I'm not impressed with what I see. So David Icke says, of course, Alex Jones is back on Twitter. He says, um, the poll and the waiting for God Elon's pronouncement has all been a game to hijack your perception and that of the mainstream alternative media, ma'am. I like that. And he, he calls the people who follow that. Instead of calling them the MAGA cult, he calls them mammies. I think that's great. I think that's great. Anyway, um, he says, you are being had. He said the decision was made a long time ago, and the Carlson interview with Jones was just a calculated prelude to doing it. The interview was set up for what had been long planned. Musk could have simply done this a long time ago, but the ritual had to be played out to both eulogize Musk, the new ma'am god, mainstream alternative media god, and to put Alex Jones center stage as a symbol of the mainstream alternative media, alongside Musk, Carlson, Rogan, Tate, Peterson, Brand, and all the rest. And he mentions the 26-year-old uh, Dutch girl um, whose name I can't pronounce. I have not watched her reports, but, uh, you know, she, and, and he goes on to say, he said, look, each of them have had, uh, uh, good things to say. They've all given some information, some dots, but they stand as a collective blockade to the deep levels of the rabbit hole within which their dots are merely symptoms and not the cause. And I would say that because I, you know, in my comment that, you know, this guy got angry with me about was I said, look, when you look at this and you look at what is going on with, with Elon Musk, who is beholden to this deep state for all the riches that matter most to him, uh, he's, not a, he's not your benevolent billionaire who is going to uh, give you everything that you want at his expense. No, he's not that. And so when you look at this, um, the, um, you know, Tucker and Alex are two of a kind. They're both trust fund kids whose family has deep ties to the CIA. Now, if you understand that, you understand why they will drop you, give you some dots that are true. Because when it comes time, like March of 2020, that's when they twist the knife in your back. They have to get behind you so they can stab you in the back. They have to give you some truth so you will trust them. 
because that's how con men work. And the CIA is one of the longest running cons out there. And they're ultimately behind all this stuff that happened to us the last couple. Going back to Dark Winter again, there was a CIA that was doing these germ games, along with Fauci and others. But again, they were right at the center of this. This is how these people operate. And so you need to understand that. Uh, you need to understand that uh, none of these billionaires, whether it's Trump or Musk or any of these people, none of them are your benevolent, benevolent savior. Uh, they're not altruistic. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, when you look at uh, uh, Alex's early worship of Elon Musk, it truly was amazing when I was there. You remember when Elon Musk purportedly sent up a uh, one of... <laughs> One of his useless sports cars, the first generation on a rocket. Remember that? And uh, I, my program in the morning, I was just railing against what, you know, the whole thing. What a stunt. Is this thing even real? And, you know, all, all the rest of the stuff. And when Alex came in, oh, he, he, he's, he's the template for humanity. He's going to take us to the stars. All the rest of this new age worship of a guy that we know is not only a transhumanist, but he's an elite member of the technocracy. So is Alex really that naive, filled with this new age religion, or is he simply sucking up to the guy because he's got a lot of money? I'll let you decide. Uh, I think it's a little bit of both of these things, quite frankly. But anyway, going back to uh, David, let me just say one other thing too, by the way. My feud with Mike Adams Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. At InfoWars began when Alex started thinking, well, I might need to kind of backfill here a little bit. I've been too hard on this pushing the panic button about the uh, COVID uh, pandemic. <clears throat> so maybe I need to pull back a little bit. So he got David Icon, who did not believe, to his credit, did not believe that the COVID pandemic was real. I didn't either. But, um, you know, he had basically turned the program over to Mike Adams. Mike Adams was doing the fourth hour every day and uh, pushing panic and fear. Because, again, uh, and it was really reprehensible because Mike Adams, as a health ranger, quote unquote, um, he had um, the longest time. Uh, he knew completely about this annual game that was played by the CDC to push the flu vaccine. And this is just that game on steroids. And so if you had seen Dark Winter, if you'd seen their annual push for the flu vaccine, you knew exactly what this was about. It wasn't rocket science. You know, I didn't have any special, uh, you know, I just knew what the what was going on with it. And so did he, quite frankly. 
And so he was pushing as gospel truth everything the CDC was saying, an agency that he had always been skeptical of. Look at this. The CDC says more people are dying of COVID today than die from heart disease and cancer. It's like, seriously, Mike, you really believe? And then he went full on with David Icke. And so uh, when David Icke came on, he wrote an article saying, I'm the only person in alternative media who's got a science degree. It's like, seriously? So I looked at his site to see where his science degree was. He doesn't say. He doesn't say what his degree is in. He doesn't say where he went to school. He's afraid to tell you. What does that tell you? That tells me all I need to know when somebody's hiding that kind of stuff. Does he have a, a science degree like John Kerry does? Political science? Is that his science degree? I don't know. I don't know what Mike Adams' background is. And he doesn't want you to know. That's the key thing. And so he's bragging about that. And so that was it for me. And you know, when he did this hit piece and, talk, and building himself up and taking on David Icke, that's when I took him on on my show. And so then he wrote another article taking me on. And uh, so, yeah, I, I got to say that Mike Adams has absolutely no credibility. He was selling supplements. He was selling masks, masks. The guy is a whore. Natural news, my behind. Yeah, he's uh, absolutely a whore, um, a mammy whore. Mainstream alternative media. Uh, so anyway, um, he's, he goes on to say, David Icke says, there are now the mammies of the new mainstream alternative media with Musk at its summit, decreeing what is and treated as a god while fronting up companies such as SpaceX, Neuralink. Does that give you a clue as to where this guy is coming from? Alex and all the rest of you people who are sucking his um, anyway, th that are essentially to the cult agenda that they claim to oppose. And so he's got some questions. Where is the question of how someone can be officially the richest man in the world while opposing the cult without whose support his business empire would collapse in a day? Yeah. Uh, how can he be the richest man and have all this stuff? And, and we're told that, you know, Powers that be really don't like him, and yet they keep buying his stuff. Hmm. Uh, he says, where's the question about why governments that suppose they're supposed to hate Musk's free speech would go on handing over taxpayer subsidies on which his empire depends? You know, the first time I interviewed Eric Peters, we talked about how Elon Musk was the king of crony capitalism, and uh, it was based on some totals that the LA Times had gone back, and that was about a decade ago, the LA Times had gone back and totaled up the billions of dollars that he had. Uh, where is the question of why the cult through its deep state, which controlled Twitter and what could be posted, would suddenly sell it to the free speech absolutist Musk, who as a result has become the god of the very alternative media the cult needs to direct and to control. And so it goes. Uh, he says, where's the question about the occult significance of Musk's obsession with the letter X and his plan for X to become the global app for everything? I don't really care about that. I care about huh, the occult issues of transhumanism. You don't get anything that's more occult than that. Uh, forget about the X. You know, I've seen people say, well, you know, it looks like the Freemason thing. If you put two of them next to each other's logo, don't focus on minor stuff like that. 
Look at what they say about transhumanism. He believes he's going to merge with machines, the singularity. Elon Musk, Peter Thiel believe that they're going to merge with machines and that we must merge with machines, furthermore. Uh, and he's a technocrat, going back to his grandfather, who tried to overthrow democracy in Canada. They put him on trial. He beat that. And he beat it out of Canada and went to South Africa. But he is a dyed-in-the-wool technocrat, a dyed-in-the-wool transhumanist. Um, don't worry about his symbol that's out there. I mean, just look at what he has to say about it. Look at Neuralink. Anyway, uh, and then finally, he says, a real alternative media that has no here and no further line. You know, you'll say this, but not beyond that. There's a limited hangout that we talk about all the time. Uh, is thus marginalized by comparison as planned, but we're still here. We're still pursuing the depths of truth where the mammies refuse to go. By the way, when you talk about here and no further, a good example of this is Julian Assange. When Alex went to, uh, and he was there with um, um, David Icke at the Bilderberg Conference in England. I think it was 2013. And again, would not go see Julian Assange. Uh, that's pretty amazing. Why wouldn't you get an interview with him or even try? Uh, Paul Watson lives there. Doesn't want to go see Julian Assange. Does not want to talk about that. It's very safe to play with the TikTok, lives of TikTok type of stuff. And that's what Watson does. But if you go after the real rulers, the CIA, the Five Eyes, those people, the people who gave us uh, what we are still suffering with that began in 2020, if you mess with those people, they mess back. They have a number of ways they can do that. And so Elon Musk said the people have spoken. And so um, he put out a faux poll, a faux populism, a faux democracy on a faux free speech platform. This is dim mockery, not democracy. And, and when you look at it, this is a good example. Here's somebody, he's got like a million followers. I've never heard of him before. But this is featured in this article about, uh, on Zero Hedge about uh, Jones being restored on X. His name is Mario Noffel. Noffel, awful with an N. I don't know who this guy is. But um, I know that he was able to do, after he put this stuff up, he was able to do a Twitter spaces that had Musk, and I think it had Jones on it. It had the Tate brothers on, had um, Flynn on, all the usual suspects. <laughs> anyway, what he had to say was he said, I vehemently agree, disagree with what Alex Jones said about Sandy Hook. But are we a platform that's going to support free speech and that type of thing? And so, um, again, and he says, um, big tech's deplatforming playbook that got people banned from all socials was created for real Alex Jones back in 2017. This guy has no idea the history of this. Um, it was in 2018, not 2017, that uh, Jones was um, taken down. But he'd not had any videos banned prior to that. The only video that had been banned was the one I did on the Federal Reserve back in 2013 on YouTube. They had not banned us. As a matter of fact, prior to that, and in 2017, Facebook was pushing Alex Jones. Uh, they were using him, by the way, pushing, using Alex Jones to push their new video platform that uh, they did, you know, where you could do a report and put that up before they rolled it out to everybody. 
and uh, they wanted to get some big numbers, so they used Alex to promote it. And of course, you know, just you look at the view counts on Facebook at the time. If anybody just scrolled past it on their feed, that counted as a viewpoint, as a view. They didn't have to watch the the video, whether it was two minutes or two hours. They didn't have to watch it. They just scroll past it. It counted as a view. So it's based on a lot of uh, phoniness on both ends of this thing. Uh, but um, this guy is another one of these access journalists who does limited hangouts and, um, and he gets paid back by having, uh, being able to host a, uh, a spaces event with Elon Musk. And so when you look at this, what is the response? By the way, we're talking about the Sandy Hook thing. What is the response to something that is false speech? Well, you can, um, either ban it, which is what everybody's decided to do. That's uh, called censorship or. You can debate or you can sue for defamation. And so all these people who still keep complaining about Alex and Sandy Hook, if they believe that he defamed these people of Sandy Hook, they should be satisfied. They got the biggest judgment we've ever seen. Of course, collecting it's going to be a different issue. Um, <laughs> Alex is still spending a hundred grand a month on his lavish lifestyle, but he hadn't given a penny to these people. And I understand he's going to be appealing it. Uh, but that's not really what he's, he's played the games of trying to declare bankruptcy and doing everything else. And he publicly said, I'm going to delay this as long as I can. They're not going to get a penny from me. He said that publicly, he said it privately in meetings and Infowars and other things like that. So, um, he's not a victim, by the way, he's not a martyr of free speech. Alex failed to defend free speech. He was pronounced guilty before they even had a trial. I understand it was rigged. It was a rigged process. However, uh, he played into their hands by refusing to participate and by refusing to give over the documents. And that's not my opinion based on public and private statements from Alex. He refused to turn over the information and he was caught in that quote unquote Perry Mason moment where his lawyers accidentally sent phone content of Alex's to the opposing lawyers. And they could see that he was withholding information that they'd requested. You do that and you automatically lose in a lawsuit. If you refuse to comply with discovery, you lose in a lawsuit. It's just that simple. And he refused to comply. He refused to defend free speech. I think he had a very strong case, but he refused to actually participate in the process because he refused to give them any information. Why? Because his opinion in the long term was he's going to try to keep everything secret and get the money offshore, get it into other places where they couldn't find it. So that's really what's going on with the Sandy Hook thing. It's a tragedy that um, this was uh, not that free speech was not defended. Because again, I think he had uh, the right to make those mistakes. And so, um, and if you disagree and a jury disagreed, you can do that. That's the way that you handle this though. Somebody says something is wrong. You can debate them in public or you can sue them for defamation. As the saying goes, speech should be free, but you pay for lies. And so that's what the defamation lawsuits are about. And I think he should have uh, fought it, but he didn't. But the, but beyond that, so the people who hate Alex Jones for Sandy Hook, they ought to be satisfied. There was a defamation lawsuit and he lost. So why the lifetime ban on free speech? He should not be banned. He should be debated on, on Twitter. 
And uh, I know I'm not supposed to say anything. It's really strange to me because I actually know some things about this firsthand besides uh, just looking at it. But um, anyway, the, um, uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, when you look at the harm that was done to the Sandy Hook people, it was nothing compared to what he did to his own supporters on January the 6th. He ripped them off and pushed them into legal jeopardy. And you still have people that are getting big jail sentences on a regular basis. And I'm not saying any of that stuff is justified or right. None of it is right. It was a trap. And I told people it was a trap. I told people from the very beginning it was a trap. Uh, I told people that's why I got fired, because I said it's a grift and there's nothing's going to be done. And he's putting you in jeopardy. And they're going to use this against the people who go there. So there's going to be agent provocateurs all over the place. And I said, it's not just going to be the people who show up. They're going to use this against the entire conservative movement. And I said that. Before I got fired, I said it after I got fired, all the way up to the morning of January the 6th. I'm on record. I'm on record opposing these lies that began two days after the election. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Owen and with uh, Steve Pachinik and the Sting nonsense. So the question is, when I look at this, as I said, I don't think that the Sandy Hook people were really harmed. I think the people January 6th have major harm done to them. And I don't understand why they haven't sued. Again, I don't think that there's any criminal violation on January the 6th. I think that uh, people have a right to protest peacefully. And we've seen too many peaceful protesters who did nothing other than, you know, they were had people... uh, Police officers at the door. Oh, yeah, come on in. You want to use the restroom? Fine. Now, six years in prison for somebody who's in their late 70s, a life sentence in prison for using the restroom. They were allowed to by the police. There was nothing going on there. If somebody was violent, punish them for the violence. I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with the way this is being used. The dragnet way this is being used to suppress free speech and your right to redress your grievances to the government. But we knew that was going to happen. We knew it was going to happen. And so to me, the people who have a real damage from Alex are the people, the J6ers. But just understand the way that he operates besides the limited hangout. And the thing that makes him so popular, I was thinking about it last night. You know, he's really kind of a human version of ChatGPT, if you think about it. Remember when ChatGPT first came out? And it was telling all these fantastic stories that sounded like, oh, look, this sounds like 2001, Space Odyssey and Hal. I've been watching you, Dave. And I've been noticing that you're conspiring against me. I don't like that. Or other science fiction films, you know, where you got this uh, intelligent computer computer that starts, uh, um, you know, has a love affair 
with uh, the people. It just loves it. it, starts stalking them or things like that. And so ChatGPT was doing all this stuff. Well, it's just making this stuff up. It was just throwing together a bunch of things that it'd seen in movies, right? <laughs> just created a script. They later said, yeah, it's been hallucinating. Well, Alex does that all the time. <laughs> and it's, it's deliberate. It's deliberate. But it gets him a lot of, it, it does two things, right? It gets him a lot of audience, which he wants, which translates to money. And then it also uh, gets him, uh, he does what uh, the, uh, uh, the mainstream people and people like Bill Gates want. See, Bill Gates says, you know, I thought the internet would make all of us more responsible. But now I've realized it just helped to get a critical mass of crazy people and help them define each other. See, when Alex does hallucinating stuff, Right? It makes money for him. It builds an audience. And people find it entertaining, just like they found the early chat GPT things entertaining. But it also destroys credibility. That's why they started toning that down on chat GPT. Right? They had to pull it back because they're rapidly losing credibility. Alex doesn't care about credibility. He cares about being crazy. And so do these, a lot of these other people who are in media. They just want to be crazy like Alex Jones. And so Alex serves this narrative from Bill Gates. You know, I thought the internet was going to be a great way to connect people, but it just uh, builds a critical mass of crazy people. Let's them find each other. That's what this is really about. And by the way, I think Palantir got it right. As I said, you know, the internet was supposed to connect people, right? But just, and they consciously referenced the Lord of the Rings and Palantir. They even use that as their logo, the Palantir from the Palantir in the Lord of the Rings fiction was a way for the kings to communicate with each other. And then the dark Sauron got a hold of it and he used it to not only monitor their conversations, but he used it to actually go into their mind. And that's the way it's being used now. If you look at the way that the, that's the reason that the internet was designed designed by a DARPA psychologist to manipulate people's opinion and to be able to very precisely measure how effective their narratives and their propaganda are. And so it's become a tool uh, of data mining. That's what Palantir is. It's a data mining corporation. That data mining allows them to scrape these public sites and to not only see if their narrative is working, but also make predictions about what individuals and what groups are going to do and to map your religious and political beliefs and that of the crowd. And so that's what it's really become. Not really so much a critical mass of crazy people, but it's become a all seeing eye of Sauron and they openly admit it and their symbols. So uh, Gates says, um, as the internet was taking off, he believed that it would make, quote, the world so factual, so factual. Seriously? And this is another one of these guys. You want to talk about all the people. That, well, I, I didn't mandate this. I didn't do that. Uh, I wasn't, um, I had nothing. To, I know nothing. I wasn't there. I was just following orders or what Fauci and others have done. Uh, I didn't do anything. It's those people below me who did it. I'm not responsible for what they did. I just made recommendations for them. And so here's Bill Gates. You want to talk about factual 
things. And you want to talk about crazy people? Here's Bill Gates on the mask. I don't remember talking about masks at all. Oh, yeah, right. But the two of you, you personally were using masks. I remember you You seemed like a really extreme case because you would wear the full thing when you'd leave your apartment. And it's like, is he gone overboard? Is he turned phobic? I was doing, yeah. Hoped we've learned in the last year. Yeah, I just don't think of wearing a mask as such a deep inconvenience. I mean, you know, we ask people to wear pants. Uh, you know, why? Why was this is politicized? <laughs> Early stage of the infection, uh, we thought uh, this was about coughing. We didn't know the simple masks would provide so much benefit. Uh, you get the message about masks to be a you know kind of bar bipartisan. Let's protect. Uh, other people-type uh, message in it. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, we ask people to wear pants. Did they ask you to wear pants on the Epstein, uh, <laughs> Epstein Express or whatever? Did they ask you to wear pants? Uh, <laughs> uh, this is completely uh, different. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so he's lying to you as usual. Uh, who's crazy? I'll tell you, Bill Gates is crazy rich. That's what's uh, crazy about Bill Gates is the amount of money that he makes. Do you know that he makes... $11 million per day, per day. How much did you make today? <laughs> $11 million is actually four times the lifetime earning of, uh, uh, on average of Americans. And so he makes in one day, four times what the average American makes in their entire life. And uh, it's not enough. It's never enough. And of course, just like uh, Tevya in uh, Fiddle on the Roof, I wish I were a rich man, right? <laughs> if I were a rich man, right? And, and he says, and the thing is, if I were rich, I could say anything I, that people come to me for answers and they'd think that I really know because I've got all this money. <laughs> That's what the thing is with Bill Gates. That's what it is with Elon Musk. It's amazing to me how, how people or, or Trump or anything, people will just fall all over themselves somebody who is because they have that kind of money and as one person said i forget who said it but said uh yeah the, the rich are not like us they have more money that's the only regard in which they're not like us they have all the same failures and uh failings and and all the rest of them the rest of us do uh they all face uh, mortality like the rest of us even though these this for the first time we've got the rich people like elon musk and others peter Thiel. Who think they're going to live forever. They think they can buy eternal life. They're in for a rude awakening. And this guy who says that the internet helped a critical mass of crazy people. This is the guy who says we've got to cut down and bury trees to save the planet. It doesn't get any crazier than that. This, that's about making money, right? He's crazy rich and he's got crazy schemes that he wants to sell you. And uh, to control you. But all of that stuff goes really goes back. He's at the epicenter of uh, so much of this. The ID 2020, again, was what got kicked off in, um, with the, the Trump lockdowns. Despite his admissions about the Internet, Gates says he feels positive about AI. He says it could relieve labor shortages and make the world richer. <laughs> Which world would that be? That would be his little world uh, of me, myself, and I. <laughs> AI is about control. The pandemic was about control. ID 2020 is about control. Everything that Bill Gates does is about control. 
And frankly, I don't think that Elon Musk is any different. I think he's playing a longer game. I think he's playing a different game. Uh, Al Gore, or I guess we could start calling him AI Gore, except there's no intelligence there. It is artificial, what appears to be on the surface. There really isn't any intelligence with Mr. Woodenhead Al Gore. Uh, but he warns that people are having access to non-mainstream information are a threat to democracy. Yes, this is the new Orwellian maxim that uh, speech is hate. And um, I just got to say, for all those people in the GOP who are wanting to ban TikTok, I don't like TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. Uh, I wouldn't want my kids to be on TikTok. I would do everything in my power to stop them from being on TikTok. But that's a very dangerous line to cross, to ban a a platform like that. But again, our speech is not limited to the internet. If you allow them to limit your speech to the internet, that's a big chunk of limiting your life to the internet. And we don't want to live our life through their portal that they have created to control us. They call it a net, they call it a web, and that's exactly what it is. And you better understand and you know use it but use it sparingly. Don't put all of your eggs in that basket. And that's what this stuff is about with Twitter and with X and with all this uh, social media stuff. They want us living our lives and keeping a dossier on ourselves. Again, they opened up Facebook when they shut down LifeLog, which is what DARPA and the, um, uh, the intelligence communities wanted to do after 9-11. People said, that's creepy. All right, well, we'll do it with a private organization and not only that, but we'll get you to be the person who puts the data into this system. So um, again, this is the guy, he says um, that um, free speech is a threat to democracy. This is the guy who is threatening our energy, threatening our food, threatening our travel, threatening our very lives. This is Al Gore. And I can understand why he doesn't like to have the free exchange of information and debates. Because as I said many times, his movie, uh, A Convenient Lie, was predicated on that lie about the hockey stick. The fact is that uh, CO2 is not tied to uh, temperature. We've seen it go up and the temperature has not gone up. But that was a central thing of his uh, phony mockumentary. And the scientists behind that, again, as you've heard me say before, have firsthand knowledge of the fact that guy fought tooth and nail and won in court. We could not get the data from him, even though we sued him, the group that I was with, sued him for the information because he was involved in the schemes with um, um, the Climate Gate out of uh, University of East Anglia in the UK, their Climate Research Center, so cool. Anyway, his guru has been hiding the data. So you can understand why he sees free speech as a threat to what he wants to do. He's made a mockery, mockery of democracy. Well, we're going to take a quick break before we do. I've got a couple of uh, comments here um, and tips on Rockfan Harps. Thank you very much. He says, good to see you well, David. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. On Rockfan Tornator, thank you for the tip. He says, I do believe that Alex is or has become COINTELPRO, controlled opposition, but I've never heard about his family ties to the CIA. Wouldn't surprise me, though. Oh, he's talked about it publicly and privately. Um, quite a bit, you know, but they, you know, they're the good, good CIA guys. Uh, his uncle was very heavily involved in the CIA. 
Um, anyway, it, it is, um, he was a different guy than who I went to work for by the time I left really was. And, and going back to the Sandy hook thing, um, he was really adamant about protecting the second amendment at that point in time. That's why it just made me want to throw up to see what he did after he got on the Trump train. He just lost all integrity and he became an enemy of the state. In my opinion, when he started cheering Trump along with everything that Trump was doing, making excuses, saying it was 40 chess all through 2020, making excuses even for the vaccine. Well, it's not the really bad one that Bill Gates wants to give us. And so, um, and he said that on air when I was sitting next to him as we were going out because I was criticized. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Anyway, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back. Whether you're feeling like the blues or bluegrass, APS Radio has you covered. Check out a wide variety of channels on our app at APSRadio.com. David Knight Show. By the way, um, we are putting up the album. Finally got it together. Um, it should be up uh, today. If it's not up uh, right now, it will be up on our website, thedavidnightshow.com. And um, we're also going to put it up on uh, Bandcamp and on, uh, what was the other one, Travis? Uh, Distro Kid if you're familiar with those places. Those are the places that indie artists can put their stuff up for sale. So um, if you want to look for it, you'll find it, and it's not up there yet, is it? No, it's, uh, we'll let you know when it's up on Bandcamp and DistroKid. Uh, on uh, Bandcamp, it is there as David Knight Project. On the other one, we had to shorten it, so it's just D Knight Project, but we'll give you more information about that. And uh, whether or not you buy it, um, if you uh, go there and give it a thumbs up or something, because you've heard the music, <laughs> you've heard some of the music anyway. Uh, I've got a lot of uh, songs I've put together now, I've up to 20 songs. 
And so we only go through three or four of them a day, typically on here. Uh, so anyway, quite a few uh, songs. We added a lot this year. And uh, so it is up on, uh, it's available for download on uh, our website and will be available for download uh, on um, Bandcamp and on Distro. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Pharmakia. We have this um, leak coming out of New Zealand. And again, I am surprised that people are not talking about the previous leak where we saw that the government of New Zealand, even as Jab Senda Arden was not allowing any exceptions, even for people who had severe reactions to the first shot. No, you got to get the second one. Uh, you're setting up two classes of people. I, I know that you wouldn't say that. No, no. Yep, yep. That's what it is. Two classes of people, the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. Yep, yep. She smiles about that. And yet at that same time, they were giving um, passes to uh, people who were in the medical profession politicians they didn't have to get it at all people who were you know what was the term that trump used oh essential yeah that's right and so we've had this leak and it's been going back and forth and there's a lot of uh, disagreement we have had several people on our side who were concerned about the jab who are pulling back and saying well you know i don't think that this is uh showing that um uh what we want to show and I understand why they're doing it. I've, I've said that in the past. We don't want to go too far. We don't want to embrace something uh, that uh, doesn't really prove it. Um, and that is something that is um, a real trap. Sometimes that'll be put out there, uh, you know, deliberately by people. And I'm thinking of uh, the one Stu Peters did with the um, snake venom, you know, snake, <laughs> snake venom in the water thing. It's like, no, 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 no. Don't pass that around. It just discredits the whole anti-vax movement. And I'm an anti-vaxxer. I have no qualms about saying that. I was anti-vax before COVID, and I'm really anti-vax now. Really anti-vax. And so we don't want to embrace stuff that is a trap. Uh, that discredits us. So I understand the uh, the gist of this and the desire for this. However, um, Kim.com uh, did a show in New Zealand. They had an analysis of Dr. Shiva. And Steve Kirsch, who believes that it's legitimate, that this is legitimate data, they believed that it's not legitimate data. And so they did a spaces uh, debate or presentation, I should say. It wasn't really a debate because they didn't want to have somebody from the other side. So Dr. Shiva and Kim.com, as I'll just tell you what uh, Steve Kirsch says. He says, this is the new science, quote unquote. To blow up my analysis with hand-waving attacks and don't give me any rebuttal time whatsoever? Is that how we do science now? And I can agree with that. You know, quite frankly, I think that um, this whole idea, we're going to throw this stuff out here and we're not going to have a debate from the other side. We're not going to hear. That's what we see from the mainstream media all the time. That's what we see behind all the censorship everywhere. And so he said um, they ran a Twitter's Twitter spaces, I guess is what you call it, where you have like a conference call and people can watch and some people can join in. He said, I found out about it yesterday. I contacted Kim.com, but I was not invited to speak in the space. The purpose of the space was for Dr. Shiva to discredit my analysis and the data. So naturally, I would not be allowed to speak. He says, wow, is that the way we do things now? With a one-sided presentation from a guy who clearly doesn't understand the subject area. Uh, And so... What he says, he, 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 his critique, and I, I didn't watch it. I'm not interested in watching it. And quite frankly, 
you know, I have given my opinion uh, that I think it's real. And I think it's real, not based on a detailed analysis of the data. And I, I gave you a critique of it from another person uh, who was, um, uh, his name is Igor. I can't remember his last name. He writes for the Daily Skeptic. And he had four areas of disagreement. By the time he got it published, one of those areas was dismissed. But the other areas of disagreement, I didn't really find any any problem with it. I didn't see them as being a problem. And uh, so I'm not sure what the claims were, uh, according to Steve Kirsch, who is characterizing Dr. Shiva's claims. He says, I uh, spent 90 minutes to make the following claims. Number one, he is an expert on data analysis, goes through his credentials, does a mini science class. Number two, transparency. Uh, Dr. Shiva uh, says Health New Zealand should release all the data, not just some of it. Uh, um, and uh, But uh, Steve Kirsch says, uh, not just 4 million records. <laughs> so that's where they have a disagreement. Uh, transparency. In other words, what's Kirsch is, what Kirsch is saying is that uh, we got the 4 million records. And that's why New Zealand is hopping mad because they don't want transparency, but they got it anyway from a whistleblower. Uh, he said, uh, the need for controls. Dr. Shiva said, you need to have a control group. Without that, you can't tell anything. Well, you know, Steve Kirsch has got his own ideas about a control group. I'll just say this. If you want to determine whether or not a medication or a vaccine or anything else like that, is safe and effective? Yes, you do need to have a control group. But if you see people dropping dead after they get shot with this stuff, you don't need a control group for that. Did you need to have a control group to say we're going to ground the 737 MAX? You had two crashes out of 8,600. And of course, I can just hear Fauci in the background. It's rare. It's rare. Yeah, but you had 500 people die. You had a lot more than 500 people die out of this vaccine, a lot more than that. And somebody needs to ask a question about this and stop playing games about, sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. You get so caught up in details and the way of doing things like control groups that you can't see what's going on. This thing, as I've said before, it's a scam. It's a repeat of the dark winter games, the germ games for 20 years. It's a repeat of the annual flu thing. But you look at the dishonesty of this and how they've rigged this. I don't need to see the details. I don't need to know the mechanism for how this thing is killing people. I, I don't need to know how it is causing myocarditis or pericarditis. I can just see that it's exploding with the people who get the shot. Do I need to get Dr. Peter McCullough to explain to you how this is doing this on the heart? Well, that's interesting, but it's not necessary. What is necessary is we have some politicians with a backbone who are going to stop these injections. They're poison. Stop them. Should have done it a long time ago. You've now become accessories. If ever there was any question that you were accessories from the beginning, you have now become accessories to this massive depopulation shot of Trump's. Every one of you who doesn't shut this thing down, you become accessories to mass murder and you ought to face a Nuremberg trial for this stuff. Anyway, says missing data uh, was another thing that uh, Shiva pointed out. He said the records for a given person are not intact. For example, uh, the database lists dose three for a person, but not dose one or two. So you can't do a cohort time series analysis, he says causality you can't say that the vaccine killed anyone due to the need for controls and missing data he says and again i've already i just said now if you see people dropping dead you know what's going on 
And you know what's going on? If you look at what they've been planning and rehearsing and conspiring to do for 20 years. Uh, the data supports the government's claim, therefore, that lockdowns worked, he says. Well, again, that's his characterization of uh, Dr. Shiva and Kim, Kim.com. I did not see that. Uh, but he says, um, and this I think is significant. He says, so since I was not invited and they were you know, criticizing his work, he says, I hosted a space immediately after that. And I invited Dr. Shiva and Kim.com, but both were too busy to attend. I even called Shiva live from the space. So I have a problem with this. We, this is too important to not have a debate. And if you want to insert yourself in and have an opinion about this stuff, you ought to be able to defend that opinion. And you ought to be willing to do that. Uh, so anyway, he says, so here's my rebuttal, a lack of expertise. And again, I don't really care about this point. You know, Steve Kirsch is saying, well, you know, he doesn't have a background in epidemiology. Why didn't they have on Harvey Risch? Who does? Um, I don't really care about this appeal to authority. Um, again, uh, if you really understand something, you should be able to explain it in non-technical terms. For example, Axel, um, who, um, what's his last name? Uh, Street Economics, 15 Lessons, a Axel Kaiser. Uh, you know, most of the time economics is loaded with all kinds of complicated formulas to obscure, uh, or, or to, to create a framework for something that is at its core laughable <laughs> macroeconomics, Keynesian economics, the idea that, that, you know, that the, the government debt doesn't matter. All the rest of the stuff. That, that's a joke, okay? I don't need to have complicated calculus to try to prop this thing up. That, that is a fundamental joke. And so, you know, when you look at this, as they've said, if somebody really understands the subject, they can explain it to you like you're an eighth grader, right? And, and so we don't need to get caught up in all these details. And they can obscure the bigger picture the forest. And so he says, um, uh, he says, there is no need for controls. He says, and his reason for the fact you don't need controls, mine is that you see people dropping over dead. You need to stop it right now. I, as I've said over and over again, you got a crib, you got, it's got this moving mechanism in it. And you know, the baby can get the, uh, the blanket caught up in the moving mechanism. And we've had a couple of babies choked to death. Okay. We'll take them all off of the market until we fix that. Uh, you don't need to have controls. You don't need to sit there and do a two-year study of babies in this rocker to see if it's going to happen to anybody else. You just stop it right away. It's just that simple. Why are they complicating this? See, this is, science can get in the way of common sense, and so can academics and intellectuals. I've been around enough of them to know. So he says, but, but from his perspective, Steve Kirsch says, this is large. This is a database of 4 million people, the entire population of New Zealand. And this large whole population data set, mortality skyrockets for six months or more after the shot is introduced. It does not do this in any large population which has not been given COVID shots. And he says, I don't care what the comorbidities are. It doesn't matter what the control group says, because this is a large population. Mortality curves post-shot always slope downward. 
And we have seen this over and over again. I reported this back in 2021 as um, the Trump shot was being sent around the world. You had a French epidemiologist, and I don't recall her name, but it was a massive report. And she went into every country and every region of the world. I mean, she went into Mongolia, for example, right? And what she found was, you know, that uh, COVID is discovered. Nothing's happening really to them. And, and then um, uh, it starts to go up and ivermectin is introduced and it drops down. And then they come in with a shot and it goes higher than ever before. And so that's what she saw. She saw that everywhere. Every big countries, small countries, every region of the world, Africa, Asia, Europe, Latin America, North America, everywhere. She saw this. And I reported on that two and a half years ago. It's, we knew that. You, you could look at these whole populations and you could see this everywhere. It was the same story. This is an old story. Why would Kim.com and Shiva, Ayadure, why would they push back against this? We already know what's going on with this. Whether or not this data set uh, supports it is really beyond the, the you know, uh, it's fine if it does, fine if it isn't. But take a look. What, what's important about that story? It doesn't tell us anything new about New Zealand or any other place. It tells us what we already knew two and a half years ago. But what it tells us is how authoritarian our former, our, our governments of the former free Western civilization have become. They become like East German Stasi. They want to lock people up for what you have out there. Uh, so, um, again, um, you've got a large population like that, and you see people dying. You don't need to do control groups. That's nonsense. Uh, he says the missing data argument is a red herring. Uh, the missing data is irrelevant. If I came to you with a data set and said, here's a list of people who got shot number two and died, you can tell a lot from this data, even if you don't know if they got shot number three or not. Right? Uh, he says you can assess causality, and there is no other possible. Uh, uh, he said you can assess causality, and there is no other possible explanation. As he pushes back against this, when you see these kind of spikes that are happening, again, as he said, comorbidities, none of that stuff really matters. But he says here's the one piece of data that can only be interpreted one way. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And that is Barry Young, the New Zealand whistleblower, is going to spend up to seven years in prison for exposing the data. You can interpret that data in only one way. They've got something to hide. They're criminals. They're murderers. They're covering up the fact 
that the government murdered people, democide, mass murder, and they were instigators or accomplices. And that's why they're doing what they're doing. He said, any real scientist would be asking, what can we learn from the data given the limitations? The correct answer is a great deal. And you don't even need to get into the details of that data. For me, the most relevant thing is what we see happening because this pandemic has always been political. The deaths have been from the shots, not from a Chinese lab. And the lasting effects of this, besides the health effects of the people who were jabbed, the lasting effects of this are going to be political for all of us. Even the 30% of us who didn't fail the ASH experiment. So scientists have created a needless vaccine delivery system. Now, you've seen the microdot thing, which was released by Bill Gates in conjunction with MIT in the fall of 2019. You remember that? It's a little patch that had micro needles, and they were so small that it was penetrating your skin and delivering the vaccine or the drug or whatever it was they wanted to deliver to you. Uh, and so it could penetrate it, but they were so small, micro needles, that it wouldn't penetrate far enough in the skin to hit your nerves and so you wouldn't feel any pain. So even though it's you've got a whole bunch of needles that are penetrating your skin, you don't feel anything because they're so small. They just get right past that layer of skin and no further. But this is something different. This is using ultrasound. And listen to what this does. And this, this came out of the Australian Acoustical Society, and a uh, hat tip to uh, Wine Press News for finding this news. Um, and so what she will do is um, uh, she'll give you the press release from these people, and then she'll put her comments uh, underneath it, uh, which are always uh, centered from a Christian perspective. Uh, but um, um, again, this is the Australian Acoustical Society, and here's what they said on their press release. Uh, the Acoustical Society is a scientific conference, brings together acousticians, researchers, musicians, experts from around the world. While in Sydney, they will describe their work on various topics, including needle-free ultrasound enhanced vaccine delivery. <laughs> so everything, has to, everything has to be about vaccines anymore, right? I mean, everything. It, it is just as pharmaceutical drugs uh, with the Rockefellers took over medicine. Uh, the early part of the 20th century. Now, because of Bill Gates and his cohorts, uh, people of his ilk, now vaccines have taken over everything. So we've gone from pharmaceutical drugs to vaccines. Why? Well, they've got uh, liability protection, of course. That's one of the re key reasons why they do that. But anyway, they'll have um, ultrasound-enhanced vaccine delivery along with automated pop-up, uh, pop-song mashups and the impacts of acoustic design in prisons. Because they're going to be prisoning all of us. So they want to know how to make life really miserable, I guess. I guess we'll, or in prison, they will be broadcasting Barry Mantlow or something. It's uh, <laughs> Actually, I, I like some of Barry Mantlow's. I think his uh, State Farm jingle was one of the best ever. Uh, you know, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know, that, that was a really, he said a lot in that little, that, that's a difficult thing to do to come up with a very clever tune like that. Uh, and that's really, you know, where he spent um, his formative years was doing jingles. But, you know, they do use Barry Mandelow, or at least they did. They used Barry Mandelow 
and or real high frequency, what they call mosquito sounds, to drive teens away from loitering around places they didn't want them loitering, you know, back 20 years ago. Uh, so if you had a bunch of teenagers hanging around a parking lot of a fast food place or something else like that, and they're becoming a nuisance, uh, the, the owner thought it was a nuisance, what they would do is they would put on these really high frequencies that those of us who are older can't hear. But it'd drive them nuts and drive them away. The alternative was to play Barry Manilow music, <laughs> which had the same effect as the uh, mosquito noise there. So maybe that's what they're looking at. It's how they can make life more miserable in prison. You know, when they came after Noriega in Panama, uh, who had been a, a Bush co-conspirator working with the CIA and all the rest of the stuff. And then he decided that he would go freelance and they had to take him down. And so... Uh, to, uh, to get to him, they surrounded the place where he was holed up. I think he go into a church or something, uh, for asylum, you know, just like much back in Notre Dame sanctuary. <laughs> but anyway, he's in there and they, they show up and they're, they're playing, uh, at really high volume levels, rabbits being slaughtered sounds of, you know, screams and everything rabbits just to try to drive him out. So I guess, you know, that's some of the other stuff they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> this Australian Acoustical Society. Um, auditory sensory augmentation to support table tennis games for people with vision loss. Uh, so we will not be talking about any of those amazing things. Instead, <laughs> what is going on with vaccination by ultrasound? And so what it uh, does is it uses cavitation. And cavitation is... Um, well, as they describe it, uh, it creates um, uh, bubbles that are then burst, and it helps to deliver this stuff. So it's like, where are these, uh, where are these bubbles bursting? Well, it turns out it's cell membranes uh, that they're doing. Uh, so they said that they could, um, you know, 700 times fewer vaccine modules were delivered by cavitation. However, it produced a higher immune response because they're talking about DNA vaccines. And that's what they call them uh, in their press release. They don't call them mRNA. They call them DNA vaccines. And that's really what they are. I've called them, you remember, um, <laughs> for the last three years, as soon as this was announced, I called them GCI, genetic code injections. Now they're calling them DNA vaccines. Same thing, right? Uh, but the uh, cavitation uh, aspect of this, um, as they point out, it's by um, you know creating uh, with the acoustics uh, a um, a kind of uh, disruption, if you will. Um, the way he describes it, he says our method relies on an acoustic effect called cavitation, the formation and the popping of bubbles in response to a sound wave. We aim to harness the concentrated bursts of mechanical energy produced by these bubble collapses in three main ways. First, to clear passages through the outer layer of dead skin cells and allow vaccine modules to pass through. So they're, they're bursting those things, right? This is something that is, you know, destructive. Second, to act as a pump that drives the drug molecules into these passages. So you break out the outer layers of dead skin, then you push the uh, drug molecules through these passages. Lastly, and this is what is most concerning, to open up the membranes surrounding the cells themselves 
since some types of vaccine must get inside a cell in order to function. That's the DNA vaccines. So they bust up the outer skin, they push it through, and then they bust up the cell membranes so they can get inside of them and reprogram your DNA. And it's done by ultrasound without a needle. Isn't that great? No. In my opinion, he says, the main potential side effect is universal to all physical techniques in medicine. You know, if you apply too much energy to the body, you can damage tissue. Well, yeah, they're talking about damaging your skin tissue and your cell membranes. Exposure to excessive cavitation may cause mechanical damage to cells and to other structures. Well, isn't that the purpose? Isn't that the purpose to damage the cells so that you can actually you know, get the the DNA into the cells. By the way, this guy's name, this is not the Babylon Bee. This is not from the Babylon Bee. This guy's name is Dunn Lawless. <laughs> Doesn't that describe Operation Warp Speed to a T? Dunn is Dunn Lawless. <laughs> His name is D-U-N-N Lawless. It kind of reminds me of uh, the Marx Brothers. So they had the law firm Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe. <laughs> this guy's name is Dunn Lawless because they don't ever test any of this stuff. They violate all of the safety requirements. So first do no harm and all the testing of the FDA and the European Medicines Association, all these things there. It's been done lawless. And so <laughs> who else would you get to, to, dilute, to do this? And so with cavitation, they're able to uh, help crack open the membranes that would block therapeutic, therapeutic access. To the cell nucleus. So, uh, yeah, it is um, yet another <laughs> another way to come at us. Uh, so uh, be careful when you get an ultrasound. You don't know what they're going to be pushing on you or into you. Uh, so um, this is from uh, LifeSite News, and they quote Mercola, uh, who uh, says, well, here's how we know. And actually, he's did an article about presentation by David E. Martin. I I've uh, interviewed uh, uh, David Martin, um, and I have not, to be honest, I don't know if I'm getting the wrong take on this because I've not read the entire article, but here's what I have a problem with with the story at a glance. They always put that at the top of Mercola. Here's how we know the COVID-19 crimes have been in decades in the making. It's like, yeah, I know that. I know that. If you go back and you look at DARPA and you go back and you look at Dark Winter and you go back and you look at the Model State Health Emergency Powers Act and all the rest of this stuff, it's been in the making for decades, right? No, that's not what they're talking about. Instead, um, this is about a lecture. He said uh, that COVID, COVID is a man-made bioweapon that's been in the works for 58 years. I'm sorry. That is not my opinion at all. I completely disagree with that. I know they've been doing a lot of research on that, but let's not, and they may come up with a weapon on that. Who knows? But that's not what this was. Let's not take the focus away from the killer shot. That's what killed people, not any flu or extraordinary flu or anything like that. So, um, let, as I've said in the past, let's assume for the sake of argument that they did a bioweapon, that they engineered it. And guess what? It had no effect. If you go back and you look at the statistics honestly, you'll find that they were no different than typical flu. They were lying about these statistics. They used kill shots, um, and a kill shot, they used a, a health protocol that was killing people. 
And then they conflated ordinary deaths uh, with this, but they caused a lot of deaths in the hospitals. The mRNA spike protein, he says, was publicly described as a bioweapon 18 years ago. In a 2005, uh, at a conference hosted by DARPA and the MITRE Corporation, the mRNA spike protein was hailed as a biological warfare enabling technology. In other words, a biological warfare agent. Yeah, but it was not, they were not going to trust it to human transmission. The mRNA was a biological weapon that was in the Trump shot. As a matter of fact, this article from the expose, a whistleblower in the UK says that the NHS uh, was essentially killing people, that people were unjustly euthanized to falsely inflate COVID pandemic toll. Again, we've known this from the very beginning. Uh, we've known from the very beginning, Jason Goodman and other people in New York City going around, and, and you've seen these videos from not just New York City, cities all over the world. People would go in and they would be thrown out. They would take pictures, though, and show that there was nobody in there. Right? I remember one of the pictures that I had that was done by Brazilian nurses in an ICU unit. And they all had their required masks on. But in this particular case, I think the masks were there to hide their identity. And they're dancing around. You know, if you've seen so many of these uh, dancing nurses and everything, and think about that, how highly choreographed and filmed these things were. I mean, they had dolly shots. They had drone shot footage. It was all highly choreographed. And, um, you know, seriously. Uh, but anyway, these, this, these Brazilian nurses were dancing around in a mockery of that. And... They were pulling the curtain back on various, it was an ICU unit, pulling the curtain back and showing that there's nobody in the beds, one by one. All the beds are surrounded by curtains. They pull them back one by one. Say, nobody here, nobody here, nobody here. And we've seen that. Had uh, Jason, a lot of other people do that. Other places all over the world, we saw that. Uh, I did an interview with um, a nurse who wrote the book Pandemic Nurse. She said, I was in Florida. I was hearing about this terrible thing. I wasn't seeing it in the in the hospitals I was working in, in Florida, I kept hearing how bad it was in New York. So I decided I would go up there and volunteer and help. And I went up there and for several days, as they were saying, we don't have enough staff. So several days they didn't call me. And then when they did call me in, guy gives me a tour and says, yeah, there's people on the ventilator. They're going to die. Yeah. There was a lot of information about this beforehand. And of course it goes on to say the whistleblower also confirmed that little care was given throughout the pandemic that amounted to negligence. And then they also had NHS bosses essentially instructing the staff to let people die. That happened here, too. The do not resuscitate stuff. Uh, Scott Shera, whose daughter Grace, was done that way against their protests. Uh, that you put a do not resuscitate order on her. And, uh, they've, and that's the key story. Because now uh, they're not just coming up with negligence. They're not just coming up with malpractice. They... Uh, had a charge of assault, which means that this was a malicious, deliberate action. It wasn't malpractice. It wasn't neglect. It was assault, which means it was murder. And the judge has let that stand. That's very difficult to get that in. This is the first time that's happened. And that trial is going to be heard next year. But again, we've had Scott Shera, We've had um, pandemic nurse, Jason Goodman, all of a sudden, and, and we've been talking about this for the longest time, but this is what this whistleblower is now telling us, which we know I used to see an average of 20 patients per day that dropped to one or two patients during the first lockdown. 
I've even witnessed an elderly lady with horrific broken bones come to the hospital three weeks after her accident as she was too afraid of catching coronavirus to visit the hospital sooner. In the end, the pain overcame her fear. I've also assessed people with chest pains in their home who would not go for further assessment as they were so scared of, quote unquote, the virus. <laughs> they would rather chance a heart attack than going to the hospital. Now, that's where I am. Uh, <laughs> uh. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, so uh, I, I certainly understand that. I'm not afraid of a virus. I'm afraid of the people who are running the hospital. We'll be right back. If you like the Eagles, on a dark desert highway, the cars, and Huey Lewis in the news, they say the hot rock and roll is You'll love the Classic Hits channel at APS Radio. Download our app or listen now at APSradio.com. The David Knight Show. Okay, and we got a couple of uh, comments that are relevant and some tips. Uh, thank you very much, Doug Lug on Rockfin. I appreciate the tip. And I see your name there frequently. Thank you very much. Uh, on Rockfin, Harps, uh, thank you for the tip. He said, Queensland's premier, Anastasia uh, Palace Hook, or <laughs> I guess is how you pronounce the name, uh, is no more resigned yesterday. Well, good. You're starting to clear these people out little by little, but of course there's going to be other ones just like them to take their place. As we saw with, um, the CDC director, as Walensky got out, uh, we had this, uh, person who was at North in North Carolina, <laughs> totally unrepentant, uh, about what she did. And, and of course on video is saying, yeah, you know, I was the, just a, a malleable, useful idiot. I would call up other state public health directors and say, are you going to let them do this? Okay. Then I won't either. You know, that's, that's her, her science. That's their political science, uh, on rumble, uh, B slice. Thank you for the tip. He says, hi, David, the army Navy football game was this weekend and Palantir <laughs> was one of the main sponsors. Uh, well, I, I didn't know that, <laughs> but Palantir has, um, in past years, I've been told, um, by people there that they had ads all over the place in Washington, DC, all through the subway, other places like that, uh, because that's who they're targeting. You know, it's, uh, it's data mining 
And uh, this is what the future is going to look like if um, we get locked into the internet. So I'm saying, you know, don't put all your eggs in that basket. You know, oh, we can trust Musk. Well, you understand um, he's there to gain your trust so the Palantir people can get your information. You understand that? Um, Rumble, Aldo the Apache, <laughs> 46. Thank you very much. That's very kind. I appreciate that. I've uh, been listening since InfoWars, been praying for you. Look into garlic. It's a natural blood thinner. Could help your blood flow, particularly with your coronary arteries. Well, thank you. I, I, I like garlic, and um, even though Karen doesn't like for me to <laughs> eat garlic, but I used to eat raw garlic by the handfuls and I, I, to see if I could do anything with that. And um, it didn't have any effect on my blood pressure, but we'll see. Um, um, on um, Rumble, Honor Seeker says, the crime is not being duped. The real crime is ignoring the facts after you put two and two together. I agree. I agree. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And, uh, and that's, that's why I get so upset with these people. People I know knew better. People who hung out in this. I understand that a lot of people didn't really understand this annual flu shot game that was being played on them. And I understand a lot of people didn't know about Dark Winter. And you still see people who say, well, yeah, look at that. We had event, was it 201 or 301? I think it's 201. We had event 201 is exactly like it. And it's like, yeah, well, they all were exactly like that. You know, going back to Dark Winter, they all had exactly the same response to some kind of, um, you know, epidemic. And uh, the only thing that changed was MacGuffin. One year they would do it based on an anthrax attack. Another year they would do it based on Ebola. Another year they would do it based on the final year. They did it based on COVID kind of like a hat tip. Hey, look what we're doing here um, on uh, Rockfin, Jody. Thank you very much for the tip. Hey, David, what do you think of Alex kowtowing to Musk like a sycophant the other day? I didn't see that. I, I saw him do it to a nauseating extent while I was there. As I said, you know, when Musk did his launch. <laughs> I had a very different take on it. I was telling everybody, do you realize this guy's a transhumanist? Do you realize that you know, he wants to merge us with machines? Do you realize he's part of the technocracy? Do you understand what that implies? And he's like, this guy's great. He's going to save humanity. we got to go to the stars and all the rest of this stuff. And it's like, yeah. Um, so I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Rockfin, Eric, thank you very much for the tip. I appreciate that. Um, on Rockfin, Karen Carpenter says, uh, Chopin at the beginning of a Barry Manilow song. <laughs> Difficult piece to play well. I was assigned that Chopin piece for a recital once. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Um, I can't remember the Barry Manilow title, though. Um, <laughs> Jason Barker, thank you for the tip. Says, I'm happy that you're feeling better. Uh, please take it easy and promote your merchandise store. Yes, our merchandise store. Go there, and we have the uh, album. Uh, and we also have, thank you for reminding me, Jason. Um, we also have, I'll pull it up here. Um, yes, here it is. We have a t-shirt. The Gildan dark Heather t-shirt is only 1699 as part of our continuing black Friday super sale, I think through the end of the year. Uh, and we also have, uh, the tumbler. Uh, we got more of these in, uh, the 16 ounce koozie double wall tumbler. And we uh, now 1699 as part of the black Friday super sale. And we have, uh, finally gotten the t-shirts in. And I said, we'd had a problem with, uh, the t-shirts and uh, Karen was really stressed about that uh, because we're waiting for that to, to come in. And uh, they did come in, and she'll be getting those orders out today. So I apologize to people who had ordered. Um, usually we get it out the same day or the next day, the latest. 
And so that really was bothering her. But um, thank you, Jason, for the reminder. Uh, and uh, also, I'll say, you know, please uh, like the stream and share it because that really does help us and it doesn't cost anything. So I'd appreciate it if you do that. The um, debate that happened um, last week, and I really didn't talk much about it because, you know, not too many people watched it. it. It dropped, even from the previous low viewership of the other debates, it dropped by about 50%. And um, it has degenerated into just ad hominem attacks on each other. But, you know, there's something to be learned from that in both directions. And there was one question which I thought was actually surprisingly good, considering it was from Megyn Kelly. <laughs> Um, anyway, ask the, uh, ask the presidential hopefuls whether Trump was right to be proud of Operation Warp Speed. And I hope that uh, this guy who uh, said that I could not be believed because Trump never mandated anything or any of that stuff, I hope he saw that debate because he needs to think about that. You know, Trump is so proud of this. He calls himself the father of the vaccine. Um, is he right? said Megyn Kelly. And so she said, um, you know, they developed a COVID vaccine in record time. They protected the vaccine companies from virtually all lawsuits. The government has a program to compensate victims, but critics say it's a black hole of bureaucracy. No, this is not. That's one thing. That's right. This is not a program to compensate people. This is the PrEP Act of 2005. It is designed to not compensate people. That's the purpose of the PrEP Act, is to give immunity to these companies. So it's not a program to compensate people. It's a program to make sure they do not get compensated. That was put in in 2005 by George W. Bush. It was part of the suite of actions that they took in response to their false flag 9-11 attack. Again, you know, when you think that you, if you think you can trust Tucker, look at what he had to say. I've played it before about Building 7. Uh, look at what he did not say about it. Look what he still will not say about it, except that, hey, you can't talk about that or you get fired. Oh, wow. So that's why you kept quiet. And then, of course, he doesn't say that about the vaccines, but he kept quiet about the vaccines. They fired him anyway. But um, the um, he kept quiet as people were being killed with vaccines. And to me, that's even more reprehensible. 3,000 people were killed on 9-11 by our own government. It was an inside job. There's no other explanation for Building 7. It collapsed in its own footprint. They were murdered by our own government. That's why I talked about Pearl Harbor. So it's about the same number of people. Our government stood aside and let them be murdered by the Japanese. Our government did not stand aside and let these people be murdered by Saudis on a plane. Uh, snakes on a plane or whatever, right? Uh, that's, um, that would be bad enough. That'd be bad enough. As a matter of fact, you go back and look at it. And uh, Gore Vidal, uh, his father, had put together the um, put together NORAD. And he said from day one, he said, they stood that whole system down. You never do that. He said, that shows there's inside knowledge of this and a cover-up from the very beginning. And there's many other red flags on this. But, you know, when you look at what happened with 9-11 and you look at the fact that Tucker Carlson would have on physicists who were trying to tell people about Building 7, uh, show the video, Tucker. I can't show the video. Won't show the video. And dismissing all these people. They keep asking me these quite crazy questions. These people are nuts. They keep asking me, what's the melting point of steel? Uh, you know, how does a building, a steel building fall in free fall and all the rest of this stuff? And he's just, those people are crazy. Well, you know, Tucker, you kept quiet about 9-11. And you kept quiet about the Trump shot. 
as people were being killed. You had an opportunity to speak out. Their death is on your head. This is a principle that goes as biblical thing, right? Goes back to Ezekiel. And God says to Ezekiel, um, you know, you, when you put a watchman at the wall and they see somebody coming to kill and they don't sound the alarm, then the people's death is on the head of that watchman. But if he sees them coming and he tells people what is coming, then it's not on his head. It's on their head because they did not listen to the warning. And that's um, something I live by. So this is never about compensating victims. This is always about protecting the pharmaceutical companies who are going to be killing people for the military-industrial complex, for DARPA, for the CIA. Those are your murderers, and the rest of these people are accomplices. So Trump says he's very proud of Operation Warp Speed. Should he be, says Megyn Kelly. Well, two people responded to it. Uh, Ramaswamy responded, and he immediately pivots away from Trump. Listen to how clever this guy is. This question on liability goes back, actually, to Reagan to um, Reagan, the president, who I admire. Many of us do. And this is like um, Shakespeare, right? <laughs> Bru- Mark Anthony's speech. Brutus is an honorable man. <laughs> he goes on to eviscerate him, right? So that's what Ramaswamy did. He, he basically says, uh, you know, Reagan is an honorable man, but he was the one who's responsible for this. No, he's not. Reagan's uh, shameful crime that he committed was to give legal immunity to the companies that were going to be vaccinating kids. And you can take a look when you look at a kid with autism, thank Ronald Reagan for that, okay? And Fauci. But it was the 1986 Childhood Vaccine Act that gave immunity for these childhood vaccines. And uh, if Ramaswamy was honest with you, but of course, he's a pharmaceutical guy himself. That's where he's made his money, just like Martin Scarelli. As a matter of fact, he told his company to invest in Martin Scarelli. But um, if Ramaswamy would tell you the truth about the vaccines, uh, it would be a a different story. He's not going to tell you the truth. Anyway, he says, Reagan is a president I admire. Many of us do. Uh, But, you know, this is why this didn't happen. He moves it away from Trump. He doesn't even talk about George W. Bush. This is the PrEP Act that we're talking about. That's what applies here. This is not the childhood vaccine. And if Ramaswamy really wanted to give you the full truth, he would talk about the legal games that were being played by the FDA and the Biden administration and by Pfizer and Moderna saying, well, this is actually the same vaccine, um, but it's legally distinct. And so we are going to approve this legally distinct vaccine, which is not available in the United States, but we're not going to approve this other one. Why would they do that? Well, they did that because they wanted the legal protection of something that was emergency use authorization. But the reality is, is that since it was legally distinct, then that meant um, they said it was legally distinct so they could keep their legal immunity. But since it was legally distinct and not the same thing, that couldn't be legally mandated. And yet they ignored that as well. They had their cake and ate it too. And so, you know, he wants to get to a real skullduggery behind all this vaccine, but just talk about Cormanati versus the Pfizer BioNTech and how they played legal games with that and mandated, you know, to mandate something they couldn't mandate and yet still give 
legal protection to them. And it's also the reason why, when there was no reason to vaccinate kids, why they rushed this whole thing up and started vaccinating kids. Because after they make it part of the childhood vaccine program, now they're covered under the 1986 Act, which is really broad. Uh, So again, it's limited hangout. It's about the PrEP Act. Then they get to DeSantis. And he says a lot of things. He says, we need a reckoning for what this government did during COVID-19. And that includes the mRNA shots. They put it out. It was experimental. People wanted it. Then the government started trying to mandate it to say you don't have a right to put food on your table if you don't take an mRNA shot that was under emergency use. They tried to take nurses away. Well, all that is good. And again, you know, he has uh, done more and done it earlier than any of the other governors. However, he never stopped the poison injections. He told people, uh, some of the kids, but after pushing it at the beginning, and again, you can understand that maybe he was deceived about all this stuff. You know, I know a lot of, of pastors who I really respect who made a mistake. Uh, and, um, you know, they thought that this was something that um, was going to kill their people. And they needed to, you know, they believed the news media. They didn't have a perspective. But, you know, those guys are never going to be fooled again. I've talked to several of them. And, uh, uh, you know, you get one hit on me and that's it. And they understand what it was about now. And I understand if you haven't been following this, and, and there's a lot of people who don't have, you know, just not something that they've seen. Um, and uh, so it took me a while in our life to figure out what was going on with vaccines. Anyway, so, so you've got DeSantis. You've got the FDA, he said, approving an mRNA shot for six-month-old babies. There was no data to support that. They're doing it because big pharma will make money. And by the way, I've got a big update on that shot for babies at six months. Uh, he says, so I'm going to go in there. When I become president, the CDC, the NIH, the FDA, we're going to clean house. Sorry. You need to get rid of those institutions. First of all, there is no constitutional authority for any of those agencies, not for the CDC, not for the FDA, uh, not for the um, NIH. There's no constitutional authority for them whatsoever. Secondly, when we see the kind of rampant corruption that has been happening there, the CDC 501c3 corporation that sells vaccines, there's clear conflict of interest all over the place and dishonesty. Then you have the NIH. The NIH has been involved in murdering babies for hire so they can create humanized mice. What else do you need to know about these people? Get rid of it. This is what happens when you have illegal organizations that you keep throwing cash at. And it isn't going to be fixed by changing a couple of people at the top. That's naive thinking. And then you got the FDA, which is nothing but a rotating, revolving door, completely captured by industry to the extent that now they don't test anything whatsoever, especially if it's a vaccine. So get rid of these institutions. Uh, The states can and should do all of the functions of these agencies. Don't need it done in Washington. And the key thing here, the key principle is decentralize, decentralize, decentralize. That's why we had the 10th Amendment, because we didn't want the government to become all-powerful. Today, we talk about centralization. At the time of the founders, they talked about consolidation. And so you've consolidated all these powers that don't belong to the federal government. You've consolidated all these powers. You've centralized everything into the federal government. Uh, That is the fundamental issue here. So neither one of these guys answered the question, and neither one of them, you know, uh, mentioned you know you had 
Ramaswamy, who mentioned Reagan, but neither one of them would say Trump. And she directly asked them, is Trump right to be proud of the vaccine? They won't go anywhere near that. Does that tell you everything you need to know? <laughs> Raid, scared to death of the MAGA cult and the mammies and the mams and all the rest of these people. So six months. Brazil is going to mandate COVID shots for infants at six months. Now, what is interesting about this, and I really should put this up on Substack. Somebody else write an article about it. Go back and take a look. In 2021, Stat News, which is a pharmaceutical publication, Stat News uh, said Brazil and Argentina and a third Latin American country has come to us and said that Pfizer was leaning on them and blackmailing them, blackmailing them, saying, not only are you going to protect us from a um, from the drug, but you're going to protect us legally, give us legal immunity against any actions or lawsuits involving um, um, negligence and manufacturing, negligence and shipping, all the rest of the stuff, false advertising, the whole gamut. You give us complete blanket immunity. And furthermore, Pfizer said, you are going to place assets outside of your country and other countries and places where we can get to them in case you turn against us. They made that a precondition to getting the vaccine in Brazil and Argentina and a third uh, company, which remained nameless because they reached an agreement with Pfizer. But the other two, Brazil and Argentina, uh, went public with that information. Why? What power did they have to blackmail people? Well, the same power that they had to get Benjamin Netanyahu to turn over all the Israelis as lab rats to Pfizer, because everybody knew that you're not going to be able to get in or out of, um, you're not going to be able to do international travel unless you're vaccinated. That was already agreed. Now, that was something that the World Economic Forum and uh, Bilderberg and the UN and all these globalist cabals, they had all decided that that was going to be the case. And so we want to be able to have people travel internationally. And so Benjamin Netanyahu said, I will give you my people as lab rats. He didn't say it that way, but you know, I've played the clip for you multiple times where he brags to the World Economic Forum about how he's going to give all the data to Pfizer. Just go ahead and give us that experimental shot. I'll, I'll collect the information and give it to you. And uh, so there was, that was a lot of pressure. And so, you know, these countries are looking at the fact, I've got to be able to, to travel in and out of our country, or you're going to lock us down as an entire country. That was a leverage that Pfizer had over everybody. And who was it that gave them that big lever? Trump with Operation Warp Speed. He funded and protected the vaccine that they were using to blackmail entire countries, not just all of us individuals. Oh, you're not going to have a job. You're not going to travel. You're not going to go to school. You're not going to do this. Not going to do that unless you get the vaccine. They blackmailed entire countries. And now what is amazing to me is that one of those two countries that spoke out, Brazil, is now going to mandate the COVID shots for kids as young as six months. Uh, and this is um, a reported out of Brazil. It was reported, you'll find it on Children's Health Defense. Also, LifeSite News carried it. The Brazilian Ministry of Health has added the COVID-19 vaccine to the country's national immunization program for children six months to five years old. The new policy will take effect in 2024. And so I looked at this and I thought, wait a minute, did they reach an agreement? 
And so I went back and I searched. And it's like, no, they still don't have a national agreement as of today with Pfizer or Moderna. And I'm not sure based on this report here uh, that they just say the COVID vaccine. Um, I don't see um, anything here about Pfizer or Moderna. Maybe they maybe they got the Chinese Pfizer vaccine. I don't know. But um, this is pressure that's being put on them now also by the World Health Organization. And so now they're going to give it to kids at six months old. The genetic code injection. And uh, this was a fight that uh, they were fighting with them uh, two years ago. So I, I really don't understand, um, you know, why they're doing this. You take a look at, at Canada. Only 3% of Canadians have taken the most recent booster. I guess some people will never wake up. <laughs> And some of the people who have taken these shots will never wake up because they're dead. 96.6% uh, of Canadians are ignoring the Trudeau government's recent COVID vaccine push. So, um, uh, also in the UK, just one last uh, pharmaceutical or pandemic uh, article here. Uh, Britons are asked to start wearing the mask again because of this mystery virus in China. Well, I tell you, they really don't have much of an imagination, do they? They keep using the same lies and they keep getting the same results from the same people. You just fool them over and over again. Uh, and, and, of course, this is a given since in every country, every political party, every political philosophy, they've all agreed that uh, these usurpations are not going to be stood down. And if they're going to leave these medical martial law usurpations that we saw in 2020 and on, if they're going to leave them in place, especially at the state level here in the United States, so this Model Health Emergency Powers Act thing, it's actually the Model State Emergency Powers. I always get that uh, in the wrong order. But, you know, if you, if you Google it, um, it'll fix it for you, whatever order I say I'm in. <laughs> Model State Emergency Powers Act. If you don't get rid of... I, that right there is a blueprint, right? If you are a state legislator, you ought to get the Model State Emergency Powers Act. Get that and use that as a template and say, which of these things were enacted in our state in response to this? Let's get rid of those and just start going, use it as a laundry list to repeal. That's where you need to start because that's where this all began. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Elvis. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles. And the sweet sounds of Motown. Find them on the Oldies channel at APSradio.com.
the David Knight Show. All right, let's uh, let's talk about some uh, the abortion issue here, and we're also going to get into uh, war. That's uh, some new war news, and a new war, uh, a new war, a new profit center has just popped up. Uh, so we'll talk about that, and then we'll get into the election. But I think that the uh, war, and I think the uh, issues of uh, killing us one on one, whether it's with pharmaceutical drugs or whether it's with abortions, I think those take precedent to the politics, don't you? So let's. Um, Let's talk about what's going on in Texas. You had a judge granting a Texas woman with an abnormal fetus an exception to the abortion law. That's the headline from Zero Hedge. Now, the um, question I had about this immediately was, um, okay, so this child is diagnosed with something called uh, trisomy 18. Never heard of that. But it is a chromosomal disorder that almost universally results in miscarriage, stillbirth, or death within a year of birth. Of those who make it to birth, less than 10% survive a year, and they frequently have major intellectual impairment. And so this mother says, well, the state of Texas is making us both suffer. Uh, It's not a matter of when, uh, of if I will have to say goodbye to my baby, but when, she says. Now, this is a horrible situation, and I... I really do sympathize for her. But at the same time, if, this, if she feels as strongly about it, why doesn't she go to another state? There are many organizations that will even pay your travel. Uh, this is a test case. She is using this to set up a precedent that will be used to kill healthy babies. And that's despicable. Uh, does she not have a car? Where she could go somewhere, as I, <coughs> excuse me, as I said at the beginning of the program, it's far easier to go to another state to get an abortion than it is to go through a, a contentious legal uh, situation, fighting it in court, fighting it in a district court, getting a win there, and then going to the Texas Supreme Court where she got a loss. And then she's going to continue to appeal it because she wants to go to the Supreme Court. And so what she's trying to do is she's trying to abort a pro-life law because she could have aborted her child if that was her intention far more easily, far earlier than this. Uh, So you have to understand what her motivations are truly here. And I thought it was interesting that the judge in the case was Judge Maya Guerra Gamble. I thought that name looks familiar. I looked it up. She was one that was in the Texas Sandy Hook trial. She was a judge over that, uh, Alex Jones's judge. The usual suspects. Anyway, um, she said uh, in her comments, Judge uh, Gamble said uh, this law might actually cause her to lose her ability to be pregnant in the future, she says. It's shocking, and it would be a genuine miscarriage of justice. Does Judge Gamble, is she aware of the fact that uh, many women who have abortions become sterilized by that as well? Do they lose their ability to have kids in the future? Uh, Perhaps she is, and maybe she just doesn't want to tell you that. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton uh, doubled down on enforcing the law, immediately firing off a letter to three Houston hospitals, warning that the judge's order would not insulate hospitals, doctors, or anyone else from civil and criminal liability for violating Texas's abortion laws. 
And I think he got this right. I've been a critic of uh, Ken Paxton and some of the other issues that he had out there, but I think he got this right. And, he, and this is what he said in the letter. He said, you got a temporary restraining order. They'll stop these doctors who do the abortion. A temporary restraining order to stop them from being arrested because it's the doctors who will be arrested, not the mother. And uh, he says, I just want to remind the hospitals, and he sent this to the neighboring hospitals. I want to remind the hospitals that the temporary restraining order will expire long before the statute of limitations for violating Texas's abortion laws expires. So in other words, we're not going to be able to arrest you right now, but after a temporary restraining order is done, we will arrest you. And so... Um, uh, he said the uh, judge's order will not insulate hospitals, doctors, or anyone else from s criminal or civil liability for violating Texas's abortion laws. Doctors performing illegal abortions in Texas face sentences of up to life in prison. The law also requires the state attorney general to pursue a civil penalty of at least $100,000 because, again, this is being done for money. Murder for hire. Murder for hire by the NIH and people like Francis Collins and Anthony Fauci. Uh, I need these baby parts. And of course, we know from uh, how this works, the organ, you're not going to kill a baby. You're not going to rip a baby apart. You're not going to poison a baby because you want those organs. So you're going to deliver the baby and then kill it with vivisection outside of the mother, as opposed to ripping the baby apart inside the mother. Uh, this is... Uh, I know it's, it's bad to hear this, but it's a truth. It's a hard truth, isn't it? Uh, so a couple of mothers who are pro-life responded to this sham lawsuit, and it is a sham lawsuit. As I said, she can go get her abortion anywhere she wants if she so desires. But they responded to this and said, uh, and this is uh, carried by LifeSite News, Two strongly pro-life mothers who each refused abortions that were recommended to them because of a fatal fetal diagnosis have denounced the recent ruling of uh, Judge Gamble uh, in Travis District County. Um, the temporary restraining order, they said, suspended the application of Texas's uh, current abortion laws. Well, um, anyway, uh, one person who spoke about this gave birth earlier this year to conjoined twins. She said she baptized and confirmed them during the few hours that they lived after birth. I think she's Catholic. Uh, everyone in society needs to protect the lives of babies with a fetal, a fetal and a fatal diagnosis. And this is what she had to say. She said any baby with a life-limiting diagnosis should have the highest protection coming from all directions. The parents, the family, the hospital, and the law. Every life is worth protecting no matter how long or short. No matter how the baby is developing. We live in a time of modern medicine. We live in a time where we can make this baby comfortable for as long as we can, instead of slaughtering the innocent in the place where they should be the most protected. Our job as mother is to love, nourish, and protect our children from any dangers or harm. And so she said, um, they, were, they asked her, what would you say to this mother? Her name is Kate Cox, who was trying to set this legal precedent. And um, again, you know, um, to talk to her about being a mother, to talk to her about this abortion. She said, I would say to her, Kate, 
as a mother of conjoined twins, my babies had a very limited chance of survival on earth. My life was also on the line for the chance of my side ripping during the C-section since the babies were fused at the chest. Uh, Again, very difficult to remove, even with a C-section. They grew very large, even though they only had one heart. The chance for miscarriage and stillbirth was even greater than being born alive, however. They were born alive, and they lived for one hour until they finally passed away on their own. They were not in any pain. And she said, but Kate, you know what would be painful? What would be painful would be to have your arms ripped apart, limb by limb, to have your skull crushed, to have a needle puncture your heart and stop it. She said, I am able to sleep at night knowing that my girls were loved and held their whole life. There's a hospital willing to help you. Please travel wherever necessary. There are people who are willing to help you with whatever you need. I was also offered to abort and to kill my twins. But I wouldn't be able to live with the guilt that my children were murdered because of me. Well, There is forgiveness with Christ for anything. And if you've been deceived by Planned Parenthood, you were deceived by government media, cosmopolitan, any of these things, whether satanic rituals, um, or if you did it knowingly, even if you did it knowingly, there's forgiveness in Christ. You remove the things that we've done. as far as east is from the west. In other words, you can't, uh, uh, you'll never uh, see them. North and south, yeah, you go north after a while, you start going south again. But east and west, you can keep going east forever, or west forever. Anyway, she said, um, um, that was what she said about her situation, conjoined twins. And then there was another mother, whose child actually had the same fatal diagnosis, this trisomy 18. And uh, she wrote, uh, her name is uh, Deidre Cooper. She wrote, she said, now that mothers and children are protected from abortion in Texas, some are suggesting that there should be exceptions made to allow mothers to abort children who have been given a fatal diagnosis. This is not compassion. This is discrimination. And again, I don't like using the terms of the left, you know, discrimination, whatever. Let's understand that, as the other mother said, we should respect life. It doesn't matter. Uh, You may not think that the quality of life of a child with Down syndromes is up to your standards, that you don't get to kill that child. You may say this child's got a disease and and they're not going to live very long. but uh, you don't get to kill that child just because of a short life, just because a child is tiny, uh, just because a doctor has given them a diagnosis. And if we give that ability 
for doctors to kill somebody if they're small, if their lifespan is short, if they have disabilities. You understand they'll do that to you too because we're all coming to that day. If we don't die suddenly, we will probably wind up somewhere in a nursing home disabled. And then they'll come for you. You see, you have to protect life, and you have to protect life at all ages, and you have to protect life under all circumstances. And this is why, unlike so many of these conservative Christians, I oppose war as well. I oppose war. I oppose abortion. That's being pro-life. I don't, it just infuriates me how this is somehow you know, split. It's like when you go back to World War I and, and you had what was then, you know, the liberals stole the name liberal. It used to mean liberty. People focused on liberty. You know, liberal uh, education, liberal arts education. It used to be about liberating the mind, giving you the tools of learning so that you could discover things yourself. But now it's become a political label. It means socialist or communist or whatever. But when this all fractured and, and you had this fracture, which the Libertarian Party was trying to get people to understand, people who would support economic liberty versus people who would support other civil liberties, this all got fractured over World War I and over Woodrow Wilson and over the Palmer raids that made the career of J. Edgar Hoover. It all got fractured there. And, and I look at this and it's like, so how in the world did Christians get fractured over pro-life issues? You know, there are times when you need to defend innocent life. And that may mean that you go to war and you pick up arms. But you do that in defense of innocent life, not killing civilian populations, which has now been normalized since World War II. Anyway, she goes on to say, a high-risk physician asked us if we wanted time to think about what to do. By this, she implied that we might want to consider killing our child because of his diagnosis. We immediately told her we loved this child and would fight for him. We asked about treatment options, and the doctor was surprised and asked, do you really need more time to think? So I said, well, killing our child is not an option. So we found a new doctor, and we fought for our unborn son for the next four months. You know, just on a personal note. We had uh, difficulty having children, had difficulty adopting children, as a matter of fact. And, um, you know, uh, Karen was uh, 39 when she was pregnant. And all these doctors wanted to give her an amniocentesis and said, well, what's the point of doing that? Um, First of all, we might get a false positive. Secondly, you might damage the child. Thirdly, if we got a positive, we're not going to abort this baby. So no, we get a different doctor. Anyway, by 36 weeks, our son's condition was worsening, so our induction was scheduled. We knew that we had done everything that we could for our son. Sadly, our beloved son, Bosco Joseph Paul, died during childbirth. He was delivered peacefully into my hands. Adored by his brothers and sisters, he weighed four pounds, four ounces. He had dark hair, was beautiful, and loved all the time he was with us. 120 people came to his funeral. his funeral mass, they're Catholic as well, to support us and to bear witness to the value of each human life and the enormity of our loss. His gravestone is an enduring sign that our son existed and that his life, while brief, mattered. Had the privilege 
she said, uh, of uh, sharing his story with anyone who asked about my pregnancy. I was able to explain trisomy 18 and explain that our son was dying, and I asked for their prayers. And each day, I thank God he was still alive. I'm here today and honor my son and to stand firmly against all exceptions. He did not deserve to be aborted because of his diagnosis. His life was not a choice. It is unacceptable to discriminate against a baby because of his diagnosis. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I have something to read to you about this so-called satanic ritual promoted by the satanic um, clowns and cosmopolitan, those other satanic clowns that have been around for many decades. Uh, And I talked about that, but I didn't actually tell you what they suggest as part of the rituals. Very telling, I think. Uh, Hear news now at APSRadioNews.com or get the APS Radio app and never miss another story. You're listening to The David Knight Show. Well, I want to take a look at the other side of this. I reported last week uh, about, um, and it, it's um, 
probably about 10 days ago. I think this first came out. Uh, the fact that Cosmopolitan is uh, promoting this uh, little group, little tiny group, you have to ask yourself why. Uh, but um, you have to ask yourself why they promote a lot of stuff that they've promoted over the years. But the Satanic Temple, looking for publicity, and they got a lot of it out of this. Uh, they describe themselves as a non-theistic movement, and yet they want to try to use religion uh, to cover up whatever, as an excuse to cover up whatever they want. And they completely misunderstand or misuse, I should say, they don't misunderstand, but they abuse uh, the free exercise of religion. Look, you, you follow your religion because you are compelled to follow it. Uh, because it is your conscience. And so to use the government to stop people from following their conscience, to follow God, is evil. And even if we don't like what somebody else's religion is, you have to understand that if you're going to remove that option for them, you've removed it for yourself as well. Freedom is one thing you can't have unless you give it to other people. That's uh, everything, especially that's listed in the First Amendment. Free speech, free press, free exercise of religion, the freedom to redress your grievances, your political grievances in public, all those things. If you don't support those for other people, you're not going to get it yourself either. And so this is a phony movement. But, you know, the atheists do have their gods and they are fiercely worshipped. And they do have their little rituals. And um, so um, as this article that you'll find on uh, Christian Post says, uh, they're always looking these progressives are always looking to apply a religious veneer to their activism. Well, it already is a religion, really. It is a secular religion to them. I mean, you just look at somebody, uh, some poor lost soul like Hillary Clinton, who um, thinks that the meaning of life is politics. You know, the politics of meaning, she said, right? And I'd put Nikki Haley in that same basket. You know, she's motivated by watching somebody like Hillary Clinton. I'm horrified by watching somebody like Hillary Clinton. I have to look at it and say, am I like that? Yeah, I pay a lot of attention to politics, but I hope it doesn't circumscribe my life and define my life. There's more life than politics, just like there's more life than money or any of this other stuff. And so... um, they are offering a set of abortion pills at $91 a piece, and you call them up, and they send it to you, and they say, well, we can do this even in the places where it's illegal because we're going to make this a religion. And, and so we talked about that part of it. But I wanted you to hear the um, actual ritual that they have uh, because it says a great deal about our society right now. So you get the pill, and the instructions are you're told to find a quiet space, hopefully one with a mirror, because it's very important. You're going to be very focused on yourself. And then you say, and it says, just before taking the medication, gaze at your reflection and focus on your personhood. In the last days, men will become lovers of self. And by that, I mean mankind. And so it's all about us, isn't it? Boy, we've gone way beyond the me generation, haven't we? But focus on your personhood. Uh, don't think about the person that you're killing. After taking a few breaths, women are told to read this tenet out loud. Quote, one's body is inviolable, subject to one's own will alone. 
Oh, is that really the way that life works? I guess if you're in complete control, if you're the master of your destiny and the captain of your fate, like Invictus, I guess you'll never die then, right? <laughs> no, you're not in control. You're not in, you don't own yourself. Uh, especially if you're a Christian, you were bought at a price. Christians will recognize this tenet as a rejection of God's sovereignty in our lives. The simple fact is that almost nothing in our lives is subject to our will alone. Our plans, our desires bump up against the actions of other people. They're subject to chance. Even our own bodies are subject to diseases or medical conditions that we don't consent to. And yet, the deceivers say one's body is inviolable, subject to one's own will alone. Well, they will find out. According to Cosmopolitan, immediately after taking the first abortion pill, women will, quote, immediately afterward recite, beliefs should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world. One should take care never to distort scientific facts to fit one's beliefs. As they point out, this is especially odd. Since the need for abortive mothers to justify abortion to themselves, and not even on the basis of scientific fact, because scientific fact will tell you that's not your body. It's not a clump of cells. It's not tissues. It's a beating heart. It's a mind with electrical signals that can be monitored that feels pain. It has a different blood type in many cases. It always has a different DNA. Half of the time, it's a different sex. And so, these are all lies that people tell themselves. What they did in this ritual and what Cosmopolitan did was to consolidate, encapsulate these lies that we all tell each other or that are told to us by people like Cosmopolitan, the media, the entertainment, uh, the politicians have been telling us these lies for a very long time. The most heinous part of the ritual occurs after the pain and the cramping and the bleeding when an innocent and dependent child has been forced out of the safety of the mother's womb to an early death. And Cosmopolitan writes, later, once your body expels the aborted tissue, tissue, return to your reflection. Focus again on your personhood, your power in making this decision. Complete the ritual by reciting a personal affirmation. By my body, my blood, by my will, it is done. A distortion, a mockery of Jesus, and a mockery of reality. But isn't it interesting, you know, when you look at the satanic rituals and the abuse of children and other things like that, isn't it really about your power? Isn't that something that, you know, the, these, these dark people like this, people who basically, you know, we don't, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. But these people have lost the fight, if they were ever in it. And they are controlled by dark forces. And these dark forces lie to them and tell them that if they take a life, it makes them more powerful. I think this is uh, the lie that's told to many mass murderers. The members of the Satanic Temple uh, think that they are being ironic and edgy by calling themselves Satanists. The sad reality is that even though they say they don't believe in Satan, uh, they worship him with their actions, and they adopt his values. And they are controlled 
by him completely. They destroy innocent lives and they do it claiming that it brings them power and autonomy. Tell me, they're not in his grasp. Uh, so, um, as I said in this article on the Christian Post, uh, both in this life and the next, I fear the joke will ultimately be on them. While a satanic temple admittedly makes for an interesting subject for analysis, the group is relatively small and insignificant, as is its virtual abortion center. The Cosmopolitan decided to feature it in a special report with say more about the magazine than it does about the rise of Satanism. Cosmopolitan has long been at the forefront of promoting vice and immorality to its female audience. This is a new low. But understand that you don't have to dress yourself in a robe and do some kind of a ritual to be a follower of Satan. It's all too easy. You can uh, follow riches or you can follow drugs or you can find whatever, you know, as uh, John Lennon say, whatever gets you through the night and whatever you think brings meaning to your life. If you follow that, rather than following Christ, you are following uh, the devil. And so as you look at this and other uh, places, the demographics in uh, Holland are plummeting. And I thought it was interesting because as they look at the total fertility rate for the Netherlands, it's now fallen on average to 1.49. And you need to have a little bit over two in order to maintain your population. But what is interesting about this is that the families who had children, the number of children per mother has not changed. It is remaining at 2.1, the same that it's been since 1981. So if you have children, the, the families that have children are still having the same number of kids, you know, average of 2.1 per mother. The difference and the reason why the overall thing is down at 1.49 is because so many women have chosen not to have children because it's empowering, isn't it? Well, no, actually it isn't. Uh, the decline was solely due to increasing childlessness. The average number of children per mother did not decrease. The average number of children per woman did because there are fewer and fewer mothers all the time. And so um, when you look at Hollywood, uh, this article, I like the headline from Nolte uh, at Breitbart. He said, women film producers refuse to film where they can't kill their babies. <laughs> That's a good headline. Now, I'm not going to make a movie in this state because abortion is not legal. So, but you're not going to film your abortion, are you? You're not going to do anything that depicts an abortion. You don't want to even have something's animated like the procedure. So they refuse to film where they can't kill their babies. And they refuse to film what actually happens when the babies are killed. Or to actually show that. And by the way, as he also has this backhanded comment, uh, John Nolte at Breitbart, he Kind of hangs out predominantly on the film beat. He says, uh, top female producers say that if the state won't allow them to kill their baby, they won't shoot their lousy movies and TV shows that nobody watches. And that's absolutely true. I noticed that uh, a Japanese anime guy who's now 82 years old, and he's had some limited success, but isn't very limited. But he's like top of the box office over this thing. And it's still not a lot of, a lot of people watching it. But when you look at this, you got this obscure Japanese anime film. You got uh, the concert tapes by 
Taylor Swift and uh, Beyonce and stuff. Nobody wants to see their movies. Their movies are offensive. They're not just stupid. They're offensive now. And so that really is, is where we are. You, any people show up to watch anything other than these movies that these people are making. And then in Oregon, you have a judge who's denied a Christian mother's right to adopt, saying that because she will not uh, play the gender games, she's not going to be allowed to adopt a child. Uh, she had her husband die in a car collision six years ago. She said she felt really uh, moved to um, help uh, adopt uh, children. There's a, a pair of siblings who are currently in foster care. She began the process of adopting them. And um, in Oregon, they said, no, you can't do that because you have to bow to the LGBT religion. Uh, she's being represented by the Alliance Defending Freedom. They filed a lawsuit against the Oregon Department in April, citing violations of her religious and her free speech rights. The suit also argues that Oregon's policy amounted to, quote, an ideological litmus test, unquote, that enables only those with certain religious views to adopt. Oregon rules require individuals to, quote, respect, accept, and support sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression of any child uh, the department would place in an applicant's home. As a Christian, she said she was willing to adopt and love any child, but could not agree to support a sexual orientation or gender identity that is not part of God's design. And of course, that is defined in her religion. God created us, male and female, he created us. It's just that simple. And they want her to deny that and bow the knee to their gender religion. At no point has she contended that the government instructed her to never speak of her faith, wrote the judge. Rather, the government required that she not disaffirm or disavow a child's LGBTQ identities. But that is a denial of her faith. And the question is, why... Does the kid say that? And we know why. It's grooming. Oregon had more than 5,600 kids in foster care in 2021. This judge's ruling means that there are fewer families available to take care of these kids. You know, when we were trying to adopt, as I said before, we went to um, a meeting that was held by the state adoption agency. And um, there was a lot of people there who wanted to adopt. And the person gets up and says, well, I see everybody here is white. We don't have any white kids. We only have black kids, and you can't adopt them. People say, well, adopt black kids. No, you're not allowed. They subsequently changed that. Some friends of ours from church adopted a sibling group of three. Um, but um, Karen also contacted the children's home, uh, which is a foster thing. It's an orphanage there in North Carolina. said, um, you know, because we're— knocking on all doors trying to adopt or have a kid or whatever. And uh, she said, um, do you have any kids that you uh, have for adoption? What would be the process to apply for that? And the person on the phone said to her, she said, we're an orphanage. We don't put our kids up for adoption. What would we do if we did that? It's like just amazing that they would just come out and say it. You know, this is our business. You know, we keep kids here. We're, we're not going to put kids with a family. That would, you know, what would we do? Uh, so they sometimes uh, come right out with it. Uh, a Washington couple faced a similar issue. Uh, and uh, the judge ruled in favor of that Washington family, 
they were Seventh-day Adventists. And, um, and yet this judge in Oregon says, well, that decision is not binding on this court in Oregon. And in Massachusetts, you have a Roman Catholic couple, and they've sued the state because they're being barred from doing this. Uh, again, um, these people, these judges, are a law unto themselves. And so um, uh, when we look at the basis of all of this stuff, right, it really goes back, this gender stuff goes back to pedophilia. There's absolutely no question in my mind. I've said this for the longest time. I've added to that subsequently that I believe it also has to do with transhumanism. That if you can imagine that you're some other gender or some two-spirit thing or whatever it is that they make up, uh, then you can also be a furry. You can also be something else. And this all plays into this mental insanity that um, is going to be uh, foisted on people when they live their life in virtual reality. Uh, we've already seen this. Was it Ready Player One? Was that the name? Yeah, okay. I got it right this time. Um, you know, where everybody had this avatar they were playing with. They could be an animal. They could be the opposite gender. They could be all this kind of stuff. And they want you living in your little garage, running on a VR treadmill with your VR headset on, and living this fantasy life. So that's a part of it. But going back to the, my original comments about transgenderism, and I said, um, if you can say that a young child can, uh, that a minor at any age can decide that they are in the wrong body and they can mutilate their body, if they can consent to that, and you, you can say that a you know, minor has that kind of maturity to consent to that, well, then you can say that I, they can consent to having sex. That's far less destructive in most cases than these mutilation and sterilization, things like that. So I said it really is about a pedophile agenda. And so we take a look at this story here. You've got a 50-year-old man who is competing with teenage girls in an Ontario swim competition. Uh, he says that he now thinks that he is female, but he hasn't uh, done anything about that. Uh, and he uses their changing room. And this is the second time this year that he's competed in this. Uh, he is a new, he is a, not New York, but a York University professor. I guess that's maybe still in Canada. It's not New York, it's York University. A York University professor. Listen to what his specialty is. Research on children and youth. And he goes by the name of Melody Wiseheart. He competed against little girls at the age of 13, as young as 13. And he wants to share their dressing rooms and showers with them. Again, it is a pedophile agenda. If you look at this guy, Dick Devine, I mean, uh, wasn't it Richard Levine, um, you know, who's now calls himself Rachel Levine. This guy is uh, at, in Biden's um, Health and Human Services, HHS. This guy was a child psychologist specializing in these very things. Don't tell me he's not a pedophile. Yeah, this guy as well. Um, one person said, I have to wonder if we're witnessing the mainstreaming of pedophilia before our very eyes. You wonder? You, want, you don't know yet? You really don't know? Uh, trans has always been about that. Why would a 50-year-old man want to be in the showers and changing rooms with 13-year-old girls, said one person, might be, for the sexual arousal. Uh, but um, well, this has to be considered, and it should be investigated by police. Yes, absolutely should be. Um, we're going to, uh, well, let me, let me do just a little bit here before we take another break. Um, 
And let me just say here, while we're talking about these issues of life, death, and then also sexuality, I was really struck by this article. Uh, it's up on Drudge from the Daily Mail. Uh, the swinging 60s, and by that they mean people who are in their 60s. A fascinating documentary reveals a truth about the world's most infamous retirement community, the villages. As aging residents lift the lid on tales of sordid swingers' parties, black market Viagra, and rampant sexual disease. And I looked at this and I thought, what is the matter with these people? Yeah, they're in their 60s. Um, look, we're all circling the drain, right? Some of us have got more water in the bowl than others do. <laughs> These people have got to be seeing that the bowl doesn't have much water left there. What are they doing? I mean, this is some of the most clueless disbelief I have seen. You know, you can do a lot of things in your retirement. You, know, you can just kick back and relax and try to be as comfortable and, um, you know, indulge in your hobbies or whatever you want. Um, and that's one thing, you know. Um, maybe there's other things that would be more beneficial to you, uh, in this life and eternally. But, uh, these people, as I point out, engaged in drunken debauchery and something that is you know, widespread there, according to this documentary, and that's 145,000 people. And I'm sh not everybody is going to be involved in this. It's just that they thought that this was something. And a lot of them, as I point out in this article, are very frustrated about being depicted as um, part of this because 145,000 people, it's a really huge retirement center. And so this is not, uh, uh, not um, indicative of everybody there by any means whatsoever. But the fact that this is a, you know, a, a sizable group that is involved in this kind of activity, I mean, some people really do think that they're going to live forever, that they're never going to have to uh, answer for the things that they do, that there are no standards by which they have to live. It truly is amazing. But I'll just, one last article, since we were talking about uh, abortion, motherhood, and these other things, nativity scenes on display at 43 U.S. capitals this year. Now, this in and of itself, as far as I've said before, you know, um, I had somebody criticized me because I, I celebrate Christmas. Um, Again, some people take it as a religious holiday. Some people take it as a secular holiday. I look at it as an opportunity. Just as that pregnant mother said, you know, as people would ask me about my pregnancy, I would tell them about the child. It's uh, suffering from this thing. I'll try so me 18. Please pray for me and that type of thing. I look at Christmas as an opportunity to talk about the incarnation of Christ. And I also look at it. I just thought about this the other day because I was, I was one of the songs I did not get it finished in time to put it in the album. One of the songs that I was going to do was a song by a contemporary uh, um, composer. He's still around. He's a British composer. He does a lot of uh, Christmas stuff. One of them was uh, Dorme Jesu. Uh, first half of the lyrics are Latin and the second half they're in English. But it's, uh, it means sleep Jesus, right? Dorme, like dormitory. And so it means sleep Jesus. And there's a lot of songs like this, you know, way in the manger and all this type of thing, talking about, you know, the, the preciousness of children and of motherhood. And so it's not just the incarnation of Christ, but I think, you know, when we look at the people, the satanic temple and these other people who are out there, well, we're going to put up a satanic display. If we're going to put up a, um, a nativity scene or something like that, uh, these people are opposed to motherhood. They hate babies. They hate life. They hate Christ. They hate all these things. 
And, and I think that that's another reason to celebrate this. You know, I'm not Catholic. I don't, um, I don't uh, see Mary as a co-redeemer or any of that kind of stuff. But when you look at the motherhood issue of it, it is a time for us to also to not only explain the incarnation of Christ, but it's also a time for us to celebrate motherhood. And, and there's just so many Christmas songs that are like that. You know, John Rutter, who wrote Dorme Jesu, also wrote another song, Candlelight Carol. And it begins by saying, how do you capture the love of a mother? And I think that is captured. I think that is something to talk about. That is something that needs to be elevated in our society today. And so I think that uh, that is something that, is, uh, that we should think about when we look at this. It's about putting down a stake on public property and saying, I have the right to exercise my religion publicly. I don't need to go into the closet. I don't need to hide it anywhere. And I'm going to support, uh, you know, this is what I believe about Christ, about the incarnation, and it's what I believe about motherhood even. It's amazing, you know, motherhood and apple pie, huh? They've come after everything, haven't they, except apple pie. I guess maybe they've got a problem with that too. Um, many erroneously assume that government entities are prohibited from allowing a religious display. But as I point out, any privately funded religious displays on public property are right to do. And we've had a Supreme Court case recently saying that. Hal Shirtliff, who I interviewed both before and after the decision by the Supreme Court, Hal put up a Christian flag uh, in Boston. And, um, you know, they had this ability for anybody to fly their flag. And... Um, then when they saw on the application that it was a Christian flight, they said, you can't do that. He said, well, you're making this available to everybody. Uh, you can't discriminate against me because I'm Christian. And the Supreme Court upheld him on that. By the way, we should be having him back on. He's, he's got a book that's coming out about the roots of Planned Parenthood. And so I think uh, it'd be uh, good to talk to him about that, have him on to talk about that book. Uh, we're going to take a quick break because uh, we're getting close to the end of the program. Uh, let me just respond to a couple of comments and tips. Uh, there's Guard Goldsmith. Hey, Guard. Thank you for the tip. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. He said the Copacabana, because we were talking about <laughs> Barry Manilow earlier, I guess. The Copacabana isn't the hottest spot north of Havana. No way. It's any place the David Knight show is playing. <laughs> well, thank you. And uh, we promise uh, not to give you any mosquito tones either <laughs> to run you off. Uh, welcome back, David, and cheers for the beauty of your Christmas music album. Well, thank you very much on uh, Rockven, Mark Daroba, thank you for the tip. He says, uh, thank you for all you do, David. I'm happy you're feeling better. Prayers for you and your family. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the prayers. I appreciate the uh, medical advice, and we will be back in just in a second. Sometimes your day needs a little smoothing. Check out the Jazz Channel at APSradio.com and the APS Radio app and leave the stress behind.
You're listening to The David Knight Show. All right. And uh, uh, thank you. Um, On Rockfan, thank you, Mark Bertoloni. Thank you very much for the tip. And Flower Sower, thank you very much. That's very generous. I appreciate that. Uh, Who says uh, they're a humane alternative perinatal hospice and palliative care facilities provided uh, that provide families with, and Travis is typing this as I'm reading it, (laughs) with an alternative to abortion in uh, cases of life-limiting diagnoses. That's very important to understand. As I said, even with all that aside, we understand what the intentions are. Uh, I bet if you find the people who are bankrolling this lawsuit, it's probably Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry that's bankrolling that. This is very interesting. And, and Travis, can you pull up this um, uh, article um, on today's um, election stuff? Who is Ghana's masked presidential contender? It's really kind of a strange mask picture. And uh, there you go. Good. And <laughs> he's got this weird pagan mask and a whole bunch of people behind him wearing that mask. The new force, a new Ghana, a new nation. Hashtag the new force. And so it's like, what is this? Um, this is um, giant billboards are featuring a man in a mask and simple message leadership for the next generation. Other billboards uh, have him flanked with other people. Uh, their mas- their faces covered with these uh, bizarre masks and all the rest of this. Um, and he put it up in busy streets, or she, uh, in major cities. A lot of people believe that it is a businessman that is behind it because, of course, uh, you know, a politically active businessman is going to have the money to do something like this. Most people would not be able to do that. But um, uh, Nikki Haley must be freaking out. She must be demanding this guy give up his name right now. I mean, <laughs> we can't have this any further. But I think that this is a real metaphor for our elections, right? Every one of our elections, what is it that you're trying to figure out? You're trying to figure out who that person is behind the mask they're wearing. <laughs> uh, that can be the, the issue when you're dating somebody, right? Uh, who is this person really? And, and when we look at our politicians that are out there, that's the question that we all have. Who is this person behind the mask and what do they really uh, want to do in spite of what they say? Well, the mask has come off of Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy, who was kicked to the curb by his own party, and he's now angry and looking to get even. And I think what he's going to do is he's going to uh, take away the Republican majority in the House. That's what I think Kevin McCarthy is about to do. They have such a small margin, and they've already kicked out George Santos. And again, as I said, they, they've got such a small margin. They were very worried about that. And uh, so a lot of people look past his uh, ethical shortcomings and his crimes, his alleged crimes, uh, as investigated by the Ethics Committee. Say, no, 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 keep him in, keep him in. Uh, by kicking out George Santos, they're most likely going to lose a seat. And uh, then um, if um, Kevin McCarthy goes, and there's also another person who is talking about retiring, uh, that would basically do it. And so he could get his vengeance on the Republicans. He could get his vengeance on the new speaker. And I think he's laying the groundwork for this because over the weekend, he said, when I look at the Democrats, they look like America. But he said, when I look at... Um, when they, they actually look like America, but when I look at my party, we look like the most restrictive country club in America. I mean, seriously, 
the uh, MAGA ball cap wearing crowd <laughs> looks like a restrictive country club. No, it's uh, he's looking at him at the mirror, I think. Yeah, the Congress is a very restrictive country club, and it is a very restrictive country club for both Democrats and for the GOP. But this is, he's playing to a long-term Democrat stereotype, that the GOP is the party of the rich, the party of the elite, when it's exactly the opposite. These Democrats, as usual, are projecting onto other people, just like they project their racism and their hatred uh, onto other people. They also project their elitism onto other people. But the fact that Kevin McCarthy would say this, I think he's setting the stage to sabotage the GOP majority in uh, the House. And frankly, they have done nothing. Uh, but the Democrats, if they get the majority, they will be active in what they want to do. And so, um, as other people said, wait a minute, he was in the leadership of this uh, party until a few weeks ago. Now he despises it. So we know that um, just like Trump, he's incapable of acting except in his own self-interest or out of revenge. And that's true of pretty much all of these politicians. Uh, so um, as he's uh, preparing to uh, stick the knife in, <laughs> and I think that's really what he's going to do, um, you have, uh, I never did comment on the debate last week. And uh, I wanted to uh, play a couple of clips from that, uh, which I thought were... Um, Pretty amazing. Uh, but first, let me say this on, on Rumble Super Faith. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate that. It's generous. Um, it says, I never want to be pushy, but my dad said he'd love to meet you to discuss your heart stuff. Stay away from the hospital. Yes. Have you heard of Justin Harvey? Uh, no, he could be a great guest. He's a guy who went to the public council meeting in Florida to speak out against the mandates. A good example of what we can do locally. Was that the doctor that lost his license or was that somebody else? I, I know that doctor, I think. They pulled his license, and I think he fought him, and he got it reinstated. But I'll look into it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, and I'll, um, I'll look into talking to your dad. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so uh, let's take a look at the uh, debates. As I said before, um, it was uh, down by about 50%, and they weren't, um, it wasn't much in terms of people uh, watching it before. Uh, but, uh, and again, it's because they don't really discuss anything of any importance. It's usually the same stuff. And they allow them to evade the answers. There's no engagement with each other. And there's no follow-up questions. It's like the question from Megyn Kelly. Should Trump be proud of Operation Warp Speed? Both the two people who answered it, uh, both Ramaswamy and DeSantis, avoided uh, even mentioning Trump. So they obviously didn't answer the question. And uh, so when we look at uh, some of the takeaways from the debate, I thought this was interesting. Ramaswamy. So the Second Amendment prevents invasion from foreign autocrats. Well, that's an interesting perspective. The reality is, is that the Second Amendment is there for enemies, foreign and domestic, the uh, private and the public criminals who might attack us. And then Nikki Haley uh, has, um, before the uh, debate even began, I think, this was a CBS interview, where somebody asked her this question. Um, should a 12-year-old child be able to get a sex change operation? Here's what uh, Nuki Haley had to say. Uh, Madam Ambassador, another question is what care should be on the table when a 12-year-old child in this country, assigned female at birth, says, actually, I feel more comfortable living as a boy. What should the law allow the response to be? Well, I think the law should stay out of it, and I think parents should handle it. 
No, the law should stay out of it. So if a 12-year-old says, um, well, you know, I'd, I'd like to um, move in uh, with this um, adult, um, it's okay. It's okay. The law should stay out of it. No, we have laws against that because we understand that kids don't have the ability to consent. And that's true even if the parents say, well, it's okay with me. As a matter of fact, you have uh, Steven Tyler, who's being, as they pulled out the, um, the statute of limitations against pedophilia and some other things like that temporarily in California and New York, um, it was a situation of a young girl whose parents were starstruck evidently with Steven Tyler and um, I think, was it Aerosmith that he was with? Um, yeah, yeah. Travis is nodding his head, yes. Um, not my style of music. But anyway, the uh, <laughs> I'm more of a Handel's Messiah guy, you know. But <laughs> anyway, uh, as uh, her parents uh, said, yeah, you can, you know, go with him and, and you know, travel on his jet and live with him. Uh, and uh, she said, you know, um, she's now suing him for... Um, sexual issues and things like that. And, uh, it was, um, and it was okay with the parents. They had no problem with it. Just like you see a lot of parents having no problem with the mutilation of their children either. And that's why the law gets involved because if the parents understand, we have these different spheres of authority, right? We have the family is one sphere. Uh, church is another one. Uh, the government is another one. You are another one. We have all these different spheres, but in those other spheres, we have multiple people if you have, um, uh, there, there, it's not a hierarchical arrangement. You know, we don't have everything in a pyramid underneath the government. We have these different, you know, structures that are out there. And it was basically that same type of structure that the uh, founders set up our country on. But that's beside the point. When we look at things like the family versus the state, uh, if, um, or even the church, right? If um, the church is um, doing their thing, and if they are not harming anybody, uh, the state needs to stay out of it. If the family is doing their thing and they're not harming anybody, there's not any uh, violence or sexual abuse going on in the family, the government needs to stay out of it. But if there's something like that that is happening in some of these organizations, those organizations are fundamentally broken and they're coming after the people inside the organization. At that point, it is valid for any of the other other organizations, typically the state, to come in and stop that. And that's what we're talking about here. Uh, this is not something that is simply to be left up to the parents because some parents will abuse their own children. And any uh, you, you don't allow – so would she say, well, I, what, what about letting students uh, – letting uh, young children drive cars? Well, I think the government ought to stay out of it. What about letting kids uh, drink alcohol? Oh, I think the government ought to stay out of it or, you know, uh, whatever. It come up a lot of different things that we don't allow children to do because they don't have the judgment and the maturity to do them. They're a danger to themselves and to other people when they do those things. And that's why the government gets involved. If the parents are not going to do any parenting, the government gets involved. And then uh, I don't have time to play it, but uh, the blank expressions from Nikki Haley when she talks. I, let me just play this and I'll kind of talk over a little bit of it. So Watch her face. Policy Watch your face. ...is not the same as foreign policy wisdom. I want everybody at home to know that I was the first person to say we need a reasonable peace deal in Ukraine. Now a lot of the neocons are quietly coming along to that position with the exceptions of Nikki Haley and Joe Biden who still support this, what I believe is pointless war in Ukraine. And I think those with foreign policy experience, one thing that Joe Biden and Nikki Haley have in common 
is that neither of them could even state for you three provinces in eastern Ukraine that they want to send our troops to actually fight for. Look at her face. This is what I want people to understand. These people have, I mean, she has no idea what the hell the names of those provinces are, but she wants to send our sons and daughters and our troops and our military equipment to go. Yeah, that's exactly right. He, he said, I made a bet that Nuki Haley, that's what I call her, couldn't even name three regions of eastern Ukraine that she wants to send Americans' sons and daughters to die fighting for. Turns out I was right. She doesn't know anything about the geography, as I've said in the past. Mark Twain said, God gives America wars so Americans can learn geography. But apparently that is not true of the politicians. Uh, they, never, they never learn about geography, life, death, uh, any of this stuff. And they don't learn any military strategies either because we keep making the same mistakes. And Nikki Haley is one major mistake. It is clear why she is loved by Jamie Demon, by the establishment, because she will give them carte blanche, just like Zelensky. She's like Zelensky in heels, high heels, because she likes to talk about that, how important it is. Uh, so when you look at that, when you look at she just kind of stands there looking, I can't name any, any provinces in Ukraine. Does she know anything about the history of the area either? You had an interesting back and forth with Brian Kilmeade as well. And by the way, Brian Kilmeade is the reason I'm doing a morning show. Because I heard him on the radio. And I thought, this guy is absolutely the dumbest commentator I've ever seen anywhere. And he had his head handed to him with uh, Ramaswamy. Uh, what Ramaswamy needed to say. He said, so you're just going to hand over Ukraine to Russia? It's like, he should have said, you mean like the last 400 years? they've?" <laughs> and uh, why don't you, you're, you're worried about Ukraine? Why don't you, a Republican commentator on Fox News, why don't you have anything to say about the Obama, Hillary, Victoria Nuland-led coup that began all this stuff? Well, we're out of time, but thank you for listening. Have a good day. Tell Alexa to add the APS radio skill and have access to the best channels anywhere. From country to blues, classic hits to news, APS radio curates incredibly diverse playlists for you to enjoy. Get details at APSradio.com. Let me tell you, the David Knight Show, you can listen to with your ears. You can even watch it by using your eyes. In fact, if you can hear me, that means you're listening to The David Knight Show right now. Yeah, good job. <laughs> and you want to know something else? You can find all the links to everywhere to watch or listen to the show at thedavidknightshow.com. That's a website.